0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome in to Candy Company. All right, you and me together. I want to say good morning, good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, health care employees, and good old number 41. How are you? Lots to talk about today. Should be a fun show. And in addition to that, uh, my first hour, I'm just going to pontificate on whatever it is I've Feel like, and I'd, I want you to join me on the phone at 508 222 1320. Okay? All right. All right. And of course, to start everything, uh, we have to have the um, star of um, Norton 1 Peter J. Wiggins. Good morning, Mr. Wiggins. Oh, try this. Hello, Mr. Wiggins. Hello. You're on, baby. Hello? Pete? Pete? Oh, he hung up. All right. I'm going to let him call back. I think we had a little bit of a problem here. 508 222 1320. Uh, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't go forward without Peter. It just wouldn't be lucky for me to do that. Maybe I can do it this way. Now, hello. Oh, there we go. Hello. Is this Peter Wiggins?
1: Yes, hey Dave, how are you man.
0: Oh, you forgot your crow. Do your crow. <laughs> okay, now, now we're all set. Oh, uh, what do you got for me today out of Norton, huh?
2: Um tomorrow at the downtown restaurant in Norton. It's the old Exit 11 concert at 3
0: PM. Okay, very good. All right. N- n- next.
2: And and t- tonight at 7.30 p.m. at the Xfinity Center is the Jason L. Dean Concert. So expect traffic delays around the Xfinity Center area.
0: Oh, wow. That's awful. Ugh, that's going to be terrible travel. And next.
2: And Tuesday at the Norton Public Library will be the Matt York Concert at the library at 7 o'clock.
0: Boy, there's lots going on in Norton. That's true. Too- hey, Peter, how old are you? 37. 37, my God. I have a piece of uh, wedding cake in my freezer older than that. <laughs> I <don't know> if <laughs> that. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you for calling in. We love you. God bless thank you.
2: You. Love you. Love you. day. Shabbat
0: shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Uh, my buddy, Peter Wiggins, who starts things properly. And, of course, uh, the other person starts things properly. Properly runs into the studio and saves the day. One James Jones. Good morning, Mr. Jones. Hey
3: Pete. Hey, how you doing, Dave? I'm doing. Good. I know Peter's is listening. Hey Pete. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no. I we've been having an issue here. You know, there's there's like literally 87 connected devices here, and yeah. on any day, one or two could be down, and we've been having issues with the the phone lines in here and uh i noticed the issue again this morning we thought we fixed it didn't help um but at like 8 39 i realized oh no dave kane's not gonna have phone calls which would be like disastrous for you your show <laughs> yeah. Yeah. today well
0: plus i, I call out to guests right and today of all days I don't have any in-studio guests save you Mm -hmm. and and uh i said oh it's all on the phone i don't usually do that right and and then you came in i went oh no
3: (laughs) (laughs) and so i'm like oh no and and so i had a backup plan backup plan went in perfectly and i come running in reset what i need to reset here and Literally twenty seconds later, yeah, made it, right? Exactly. And Peter Wiggins was able to call. Yeah, we
0: had to have Peter call twice, but that was my fault because I gaffed it over here when I took his call. Okay, so that was so it's working fine. Mm -hmm. But it was, um, I thought, oh boy, here we go. Right, (laughs) right. So so we should be should
3: be smooth sailing. And
0: yeah, yeah. Um, In this hour, I I didn't have a guest Mm -hmm. uh, lined up, and I was going to just talk about some stuff. And one of the things I was thinking about coming in uh, was getting old. Okay. And how people, like, there's a big talk about Biden. Mm -hmm. You know, Mick Jagger just turned 80. It doesn't look like it's bothering him too much. Okay. No. Right. Right. But there's so many facets of being older. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I thought about, I was laughing about myself coming in because. Uh, many times I will make a, a comedy reference to something, and as an example, you have right. no idea what I'm referring okay. to. When I don't know, 20 years ago, right, people would have recognized the reference. Mm-hmm. It's just really interesting how, if you if you live longer than you, I don't know what I, to say that, but mm-hmm. and then you suddenly realize, people go, what, right, who's that, what's that, and,
3: and a lot of that has to do with like. Terminology, you know, the terminology that you used, yeah, you know, yeah, 60 years ago, yeah, yeah. it's not the same term, the meaning is not the same that I experienced 30 years ago.
0: And the other thing that's funny is, um, celebrities, you know, Tony Bennett just passed, you know, you know, who Tony Bennett is, because he lived, but I remember one time, um. Sandler and Young I think we talked about Mm -hmm. they were a duo that were on the Sullivan Show huge they were in Vegas everybody knew who they Mm -hmm. were it was unbelievable i mean, just and I got a chance to have Tony Sandler on as a guest and I said to you hey I'm gonna have Tony Sandler and you went Who's that. Right. I mean, right. these people are just right gone now. You know, Nobody yeah. cares anymore.
3: I know who Pat Cooper is. I know who. I had Pat Cooper know, on. All you of know those who people. Uh, Paul Anker is? I know uh, that. Had Paul Anker on. Absolutely. Um, that was great. Regis Philbin had yeah. Regis
0: Philbin on. Yeah. And, uh, I know had,
3: who Lawrence Welk was. Yeah, you well, know? he was dead by the
0: time yeah. I got on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, the thing about Lawrence Welk, I don't know if your family had this. No. The know. entire. But your grandparents, I think. Sure. The entire world watched Lawrence Welk mm-hmm. on Saturday night. All Did the they old, have a choice? Old, the old people then, well, the three stations. Right. But the, the old people then mm-hmm. used to watch. Joanne, my wife, used to watch Lawrence Welk with her grandmother. <clears throat> and it was just, you know. And one time I actually worked with Sissy, who was Sissy and, well, forget the other guy's name, um, he was a mousketeer, the original black and white mousketeer mm-hmm. and then Sissy, they were dancers on the Lawrence Talk Show. And they came to the Attleboro High School. Somebody promoted it and came and I was hired to, to host them, you know, to do you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the other person came on it was on that show was Joe Feeney. He was the Irish tenor. Okay. And the memory I have of that and I was young then, younger much younger. Okay. But Joe Feeney sitting backstage watching a baseball game on a little TV while he did his nails, while he did put polish okay. on his nails. And the, the, the dichotomy of seeing a man sitting with his tuxedo jacket off at a table putting nail polish on while he's watching the mm-hmm. baseball game <laughs> kind of stuck with me. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of cool. But anyway, just think of all of the things, references that you make or things that you say that what a good, like the thing about um, my, my fan club is going to be meeting in the phone booth on the corner. Right, right. And there are no longer any phone <laughs> booths, so you can't do that reference. Right. It, it just really affects you as you're a comedian. Sure, sure. My,
3: my thing with growing old is just, and maybe you've experienced, maybe not, but like I'm in the pool with the kids and I'm throwing a beach ball to them. And I throw one hard and I like hurt my shoulder. (laughs) And it's been hurt for like a week. And so I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to have to go to physical therapy for this thing. You know, and I'm like, everything hurts. You know, the lower back hurts. You know, the weight probably doesn't help that. But, you know, just the aches and pains.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know where the disrespect for age came from honestly okay. like like you know it used to be oh boy you would been venerated boy the guys from you know the asians are much more venerating toward their their elderly mm-hmm. you know they, they, they take care of them they watch out for them Um uh, but in this country it's like you know as soon as you you know start getting gray hair or or Whatever. I don't know what it is. And, of course, there's a lot of political stuff involved in this. I know mm-hmm. where Biden's concerned, but here's a guy. I, I don't want to make this a political thing. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, but here's a guy who served this country, whether you aboli- uh, appreciated him or not. Mm-hmm. I think he screwed up the uh, uh, the Clarence Thomas um, okay, thing. Mm-hmm. In those days, Anita Hill, he didn't really believe Anita Hill. He screwed mm-hmm. that one up a couple of things in his career. Mm -hmm. But overall, he was a good public servant. Mm -hmm. And he's got all those years doing it. And he did it while his daughter and and wife were killed. What was that? Okay.
3: (laughs) I don't know. Do you have anything loaded up there?
0: Yeah, I do, but I I just hit the counter.
3: Oh, you probably hit the space bar to...
0: No, I didn't. But maybe... Hit it again. Okay, hold on. Maybe there you go. It did. yeah, maybe. That okay. it. Um, anyway, so I'm just, I'm just saying, it's just interesting to me that uh, you know Biden went through so much and served this country so much, and now he's a doddering old man. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it. I don't see it. He's, that he's, he's not a g- doddering old man. Yeah, or yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I mean, he's he's not a great orator. No. Nope. Uh, because of his. His um, speech impediment when he was a kid. Okay. I think that that is a lot of that. I think stuttering. You train yourself. I think you know he's not a great. And he does have things that he says that's off. Mm-hmm. God save the queen. Right, right. right. <laughs> I mean, I mean things like. But I mean, if I said that, people wouldn't think I would. They'd think I was being funny. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At the end of the God save the queen. You know, mm-hmm. Whatever. It's just interesting to me that you know. That he's done,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think it all depends on uh, obviously history, genes, and everything yeah. play into that. But yeah. you know, we, we just did a story of a like an 85 year old power lifter, yeah, in town a 73. 73, yeah, okay, all right, still yeah. 73. Yeah, yeah good, but yeah, yeah, you know, that's how I can it. Run, run circles around me, yeah. You know?
0: well, well, you know, and, and here's the thing that was funny the local uh, uh, lean on this. Uh, Craig Borges over at the Chronicle talked about columns, and he's got all these old, what he referred to as old white guys, mm-hmm. writing columns, right? Right. He can't find younger conservative columns. Somebody who wants to write a column mm-hmm. who's a younger conservative, maybe of color, maybe of a, you know, a minority of some kind, can't find anybody.
3: And why do you think that is?
0: I have no idea. You know, you watch, And then the, this whole conversation came up because of, what happened with Mitch McConnell? What did mm-hmm. you think about that?
3: People get old.
0: I know, but that was weird. Yeah. Uh, no? I mean, I just thought that was really weird. I mean, that that's something. That, I mean, if he were president, mm-hmm. yeah, i mean, going, I do I that? don't...
3: I mean, I'm not a fan of Mitch, but... No, 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 but... But, I mean, uh, yeah. you know, you'll notice myself on a number of occasions... I'll be mid sentence and I stop.
0: Yeah, but this is no. Yeah. He's doing a press conference. He <laughs> he it wasn't he wasn't mid thought. Right. No, he, no, no. He but but I but what goes, I was going to say is,
3: yeah. you know, I and my thing my problem is I get lost in another thought that pops into my head and and then I have to catch myself. Right. But this is Mitch McConnell who yeah. has been in congress longer than i've been alive and, and yeah. he knows how to handle and
0: and and he was i didn't know this until the, the report on this that he was a polio survivor oh really And he doesn't walk you know he's got a trouble mm-hmm. getting through the airports and stuff like that And now he switched to using a wheelchair okay because you know it's it's tough for him i mean so you got <clears throat> somebody used to stutter who will misspeak mm-hmm. and you got a guy who used to have polio that makes him look like he's more aged than he really is. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. 508 telephone number to call. Hi, you're on the radio.
2: Good morning, Mr. Kane. This is Paul from Attleboro. Hi, hey. Paul from
0: Attleboro. This is the Paul from Attleboro. Yes, yes sir. How are you?
2: Hey, I, I have a question and a comment.
0: Okay, go ahead.
2: So what time is that fan meeting in the phone booth?
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, they had to postpone it. Because I think somebody's using it at the moment. <laughs> He's on long-distance collect. <laughs>
2: so uh, my comment, and I'd, I'd like to get uh, your uh, feedback. Um, so my opinion with, you know, whether you're serving in Congress, the Senate, whatever it is, I think they should put age limits. And the whole Mitch McConnell thing is a perfect example. You know. Well, well yeah, but um,
0: here's I mean, the thing about that. Hold on that's fine <clears throat> but if you get somebody who's sharp as attack who's done a good job why punish him because his physical age is a certain number Wh- what do you get out of that I, I, how do you I, win
2: I agree. I, I agree with that comment but on the flip side if you put it age limits on let's say congressmen who are in their 80s um, we you know this generation, Uh, of young people if we put them in congress you know just the way that you know that these kids are brought up and they feel entitled and they only say if you don't agree with me you know their thought process if you don't agree with me then i don't want to talk to you or i hate you or whatever it is do we really want those people in congress so it's like a a lose-lose
0: well, no, I I, 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 since I rejected your first premise, I don't know where we go to the the kid. I mean, well, go ahead, well, Jim. I mean,
3: what what do you say about Bernie Sanders, who's eighty one, Chuck Grassley, who is eighty five, like, like, isn't he ninety two? I think he's, or I think he's like 95. That? No, he's eighty nine. Is he? Chuck, uh, Chuck Grassley is eighty nine. Oh,
0: all right, because somebody just reported that he was ninety five. Go ahead.
3: Okay, so. My my feeling is all
0: right. Now, how about Feinstein? Feinstein, who Feinstein really has looks issues. Like she she really has issues. But it isn't about the age. It's about they're tough. Correct. How about the guy that had the severe depression? Uh, uh, Fetterman, uh, Fetterman, mm-hmm. a young guy and had severe depression was debilitating. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about him? In other words, it can't be about age. I think it's got to be about individual performance. Right? Hello. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that um, to me. It, it,
2: it, it, and to go on your previous, uh, on, I don't know who made the comment about uh, being old. We're not getting old, we're getting older. Yeah. And I'll be lucky if I don't hurt myself putting on my socks in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: may be very well. It may be true. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah right, it,
0: be- it's really, I just don't, I mean, this is like this thing with term limits. We have term limits. It's called elections. You know, I mean, uh, uh, and the same thing is true with, with the. I don't care how old they are. I mean, for some reason, we're saying, "Boy, we can't believe that this guy at this age can really get the food into his mouth when he mm-hmm. eats." What yeah. is that?
3: No, I, 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 think the the bigger issue, at least to that, is the Senate. It's the Senate's fifty-one fifty, right? No, no, sorry, fifty-one um, forty-nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take. You take one of those senators out and that whole balance of power is out. So, you know, Dianne Feinstein could be, you know, sitting there saying nothing and somebody whisper in her ear to to repeat this. Just say a. Yeah. Right? I, I rather. Yeah. And the Democrats would be happy with that because they don't lose the balance of power that way. Keep her in that position. All we need her is for a vote mm. and that's it. I mean, she's not running for a re-election again. No. But, but, she and, also, but the same thing with Mitch McConnell. You yeah. take Mitch McConnell out, and that whole balance of power gets thrown off.
0: But it's like saying, it's like saying well, first of all, she would vote aye mm-hmm. anyway. I mean, she, they know she would absolutely vote aye on that vote as an example. I
3: mean, Dave, what, the other day she's trying to give a speech at roll call. She has no idea what's going on. But
0: I've got to tell you, okay, I'm going to give you that, but I'm also going to give you this. It is not inconceivable that somebody younger could be— How about a uh, new—let's take Paul's example, Mm -hmm. a new congressperson, and they— they get confused, and now all of a sudden, okay. I mean, Robert's rules, good luck trying to follow <laughs> those things. And everybody's talking in your ear, and people. And so she goes to her script and says, Oh, I guess I'm supposed to read this now. <laughs> and it's not a big deal thing. And so, and, and when this thing about just say AI, hey, <laughs> she's, it's because she got confused for a second right. and i don't think listen she she's old and mm-hmm. she should consider taking a hike but i don't think it was because i think she got confused and older people get confused no, no, periodically. That, and,
3: that, and that's definitely true but we wouldn't be having this conversation if the split in the house i'm sorry the split in the senate would be 60 30 or you know something like that where they could easily Oh, Remove there's no somebody. doubt.
0: There's no doubt they're holding on, I and mean, there's no doubt of that. Right. But you know, I mean, you you got to play with what you got. If you're right. a, if you're a, a baseball coach, right, mm-hmm. and you got a guy who can cover second, just cover second until we get the real guy in. Right. You know, what do you think, Paul?
2: Well, so uh, I'm, I'm always I always go back to this. Um, I, I think that our representatives nowadays are not like they were in the Reagan days. And, and I've mentioned this before on your show, uh, Dave. Um, I remember as a kid seeing that, you know, back in the day, Republicans and Democrats could disagree on something, but come to some sort of an agreement for the betterment of the people. And I don't see that now. I don't it, either it, and I,
0: and I agree with you. I think I, I think we've talked about this on the air right. where you know I I have no problem with Republicans generally or or conservatives or anybody that's not on my bailiwick. Uh right. I I have seen what you're saying is under under Reagan and 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 even Nixon and and mm-hmm. get, there was that um, Bipartisan dealings You know Mm -hmm. Not as vicious as it is now And crazy Uh, I agree Uh, And that's how we
2: survived And now now I see it as If you're a Democrat or Republican um, I'm not going to like you Because you're a Democrat or Republican Not because of what Mm. my beliefs are Or what I think Mm. It's just whatever label you are Or whatever you think
0: well, I think what we missed here, but what we're missing here is it isn't Republicans, it's mega mega Republicans. It it it's that extreme facet of that party. It isn't Republicans. There's nothing wrong with Republicans. It's about well, again, these MAGA nutburgers who uh, cause the problem.
2: Well, again, it, it goes back. I, I think it goes back to the way the society is going. It's it's all about what I think, and I don't care what you think. You know, and I think that's what creates all this um, disagreement and hatred with everybody. Is that nobody's listening to one another, and it's just that if you like red and I like blue, well, yeah, I don't like red or I don't like blue, and, and you know what? I don't care what you think. Mm. I just don't don't agree with you, and I don't like you just because you like a different color than I do.
0: You know, you have to and, try to convince people that there's there's a plus in it for them to. You know, we'll get to purple, right? <laughs> right. Figure a way to get yeah. to purple. But, and it, but it's yeah. but it's
3: but it's also, oh, Dave, you like purple. I like blue. You're a jerk. I know right. that. you're yeah, a jerk.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So and it's like, so. why, why can't we just why can't we just listen to understand it and better ourselves? Mm-hmm. That's my main yeah. point. Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't care. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, White, Black, Blue, Green. It doesn't matter. Let's just get to a place where we can better ourselves.
0: Yeah, but the problem, the problem is that, and, and I keep jumping, these MAGA people have been brainwashed, if you will, and made fearful of all of this stuff and given permission to have their um, prejudices out in public and out on top where they used to think it but not say it or act on it but not let anybody know you know, now they're being I, given the opportunity to be more emboldened with their stuff.
2: I, I, I think now everything is about being brainwashed because now the what I see happening is just listen to me and you'll be OK. People aren't left to think for themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah. I well, mean, that's my uh, feeling. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I hate you.
2: i still love you dave (laughs) all right Paul.
0: thanks for your call pal
2: thank you gentlemen have a great day thank
0: you thank you bye-bye but
3: dave it's 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 a little bit more than that it's not just the MAGAs. it's it's the other side too if you if you if you're a conservative christian and and adhere to uh, conservative christian values you're you're attacked from the left as well you know, you're you're the problem well, it, with this country. It, it,
0: well, I, not because you're a, a Christian and conservative values. It's it's because of your thought process on any given item. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it isn't. I don't care why you are afraid of spaghetti, <laughs> right? You may have an awful story that Chef Boyardee molested you one year. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the point. The point is that you not gonna give spaghetti an opportunity mm-hmm. in your life. I don't care what the background is, I don't care why you're prejudicial, mm-hmm. I don't care why you're a double speak. Look at all of the uh conservative Christian community mm-hmm. who has backed Trump. True. I mean that that that's hypocritical mm-hmm. beyond belief. You can still be a conservative Christian, but don't tell me that you believe in the sanctity and da da mm-hmm. da da da. Because you don't. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the it. For me, it's never been about the the label of the person. It's about the thought. Right? Can I? But, you
3: know, but my but my point is the the argument isn't just MAGAs. It's
0: well, it's the I whole think, thing. Well, for me, I think I think this is the core problem, and and and, and the Republicans, the non MAGA Republicans, who haven't got their cojones to speak up and 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 do something about it, to drag get their get their back
3: because they have to win
0: i rest my case that's the problem i rest my case
3: but it's the same on the other side you 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 it you, is you, the you same think people the are happy side with I biden read. oh i absolutely no.
0: i absolutely agree with that yeah i absolutely <laughs> agree you're not gonna find me doing mm-hmm. one of those right i absolutely agree with that but people need to speak up that's how things get fixed mm-hmm. they don't get fixed by Dancing around it and not mentioning the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Men- elephant, no, and that's not. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Republicans, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, no, you got to have. If you think it's wrong, speak up. If you, regardless of what it costs you, regardless of what it costs you, mm-hmm. I don't want to tell you about the number of times I've been bounced for saying what I knew the ownership of the station or the muckamucks in the town mm-hmm. were going to pressure him to do. I was going, but I was going with a clear conscience.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I mean that's what you need to do. You need to realize you have to get up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror, and say, "Okay, you are who you say you are. You're not a hypocrite. You're not a liar. You're not. You know, you've got to be able to do that." Mm-hmm. And that example, by the way, encourages other people to have the courage to back you and speak up. There was one guy at the conference last last night um, who who said that. Um, Trump was a criminal and some, mm-hmm. and he got booed off. The, well, not off the stage, but he got booed. Hello? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello, right. I can still wear the shirt and tell you that this is wrong. Right, right, or not? right.
3: And I, I, I gotta get going. All but, right. but I just want to just make one point to what Paul was saying about what ha- what happened to you know politicians getting along and and that all that that whole yeah. thing that was thrown out of the out of the water in the twenty. 20- uh, the 2000 election. Why? Because once you, you started having hanging chads and the oh. country was so divided. Two that th- oh, 2000. 2000, 2000 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, that's well, yeah.
0: when it stops. Yeah, when the Supreme Court decided they were going to decide what's a chad and what isn't and all of that stuff. Right, Absolutely. when the Supreme
3: Court stopped Florida <laughs> from inventing election law. Yes, yep. that is... Uh, yep. That is why. Oh when, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yes.
0: when he hit the fan. Right. Sure. But then, and, and the one thing I can say, I, I won't say it's a positive, but one of the I will give credit to Trump about is that Trump saw a way to get to these people mm-hmm. and gave them the impetus to be able to have a say and mm-hmm. and you know the, the old Tea Party stuff and everything. But he, more violent, more mm-hmm. mean spirited. More. That was he saw the opening mm-hmm. and he moved on it, and in that I can say.
3: Yeah, that. Trump was no John McCain, right?
0: Oh Jesus, <laughs> no. Well, you know he got McCain got, you know he got captured. We don't, right? We don't have right, a reason right. for people to get captured, right? Right? Yeah, we mm-hmm. only. Uh, they are not a hero if you got captured, moron. So, I, I you know you got to go, but real quick, mm-hmm. what do you think is going to happen with this boy? When these indictments, do you think he's ever going to do time?
3: Um, it all depends on how long he can delay.
0: No, no, no. I'm saying, if, 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 I'm saying, if he no, no, in oh, his but mind, he can't, oh,
3: in his mind, however long he can delay, because in his mind, if he gets elected president yeah, of the United yeah, States, I, I, they're not going to touch him until after that. That
0: aside for a moment, okay, I agree. That mm-hmm. aside for the moment,
3: let's. I'm not saying he'll. I don't think he has a snowball's no, chance I, I at either. all of I getting don't either, elected. But, 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 but I in think his mind, in his mind,
0: yeah. Okay. So, but my thing is, if he gets found guilty mm-hmm. on two of these charges, sure. Uh, do you see that they he will actually go to the no, slammer? No. Why not?
3: He's a former president. So what? Hitler was a, f- a former. Uh, yeah. I, I just don't see it happening. Okay. I just, I don't see it happening.
0: I I I see some I see I'm some, I see some it, plea yeah.
3: deal happening, where he's not. I I don't see a former president going to jail. I just don't see it.
0: Why not? <laughs> but why why for you as a person why would that would that be a bad thing for you if a former president went to the slammer when he's earned it if he's earned it and found guilty by a jury of uh, American peers, and, he, and he's earned no, it. And no, no, I mean, I don't
3: have a position either way. I'm, I'm just saying I don't see it happening no, in the judicial I'm asking system. No, but i you, do
0: you think we should?
3: No, I, I think it sets a bad precedent.
0: No, no, he set the bad precedent. No, no, no. <laughs> it's just no, responding.
3: Right. I mean, I guess it, I guess it depends. And,
0: you know, in other countries, they've done this. You sure, know? sure. And so, regardless of whether they're third world or whatever, and whether they
3: got a fair trial or not, you know.
0: <laughs> well, I think the the shot that this guy gets a fair trial here mm-hmm. is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can find a jury to start with on each, all of these ones, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but I, I mean, uh, I, I don't, know. I just, I don't think that just because he was president. That's like saying Giuliani was the, the, the country's mayor. Okay. He was the country's mayor, mm-hmm. right? And he was a scumbucket and a liar <laughs> and a cheat and a you know, scoundrel. And so now he gets found guilty if he gets charged now, which he is and gets found guilty, should he go to prison? Mm-hmm. So it's about, the it's the status. President, no. Vice President Sparrow Agnew, Made a, made a deal to get out of going to prison. Mm-hmm. He stepped down and got a deal. So, so if it was a congressman, well, we can throw them in. Why, why, why can we do that?
3: No, I just, I think, like, maybe a presidential pardon would come down. I, I don't see a former president going to jail. I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. Nixon didn't go to jail. He got Nixon pardoned didn't. right wait, away. Wait,
0: wait, wait. no, 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 no. Nixon didn't go to jail because he, he stepped was pardoned. Down. He was stepped down. There was a deal, and he stepped down in the sense that you know Ford pardoned him, mm-hmm. and that was part of the deal of him stepping down immediately. But his entire cadre went to prison. Mm-hmm. Hol- Holson and these other guys—they all went to prison. Mm-hmm. So and how that's come my not point. Him?
3: That's my point. He's a former president. He, there would be a deal where he would be pardoned and he wouldn't go to jail. I guarantee it.
0: That's wrong. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but I mean, it's wrong that we do that. Mm-hmm. If this guy does the crime, he has to do the time. Correct. For all of us. And I, and I don't doubt it. for all. I right? don't doubt it. Everybody gets treated the same way. Here's the law. You broke it. See you later. And that, that's what I think is important, going to be important. It's going to be a real debate because I think they have to send him to prison. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's reduced time, whatever. Right. They have to make the move, in my opinion.
3: The, the issue is going to be you know, they, they can pardon him on the federal charges, but what's going to happen at the well, state level? Well, that's the
0: thing. Can you, yeah. can you, well, can you throw him in the slammer on the state level? I, I. mean, I don't.
3: I don't think so. I don't. Well, I, I don't think, think yes. So.
0: I think yes. I think you okay. can. That, that's why this country was founded to get rid of the king. You, he's not a king. Mm-hmm. He's not sovereign. He can't. He's he's a slug bucket that we didn't catch in the sixteen. We finally got it out in twenty. He's got to do the time if yeah. he's found guilty. I mean, what? How? Who's going to be able to say? Who's going to say no and not sending him to prison? Who's going to say that? the doj the judge the judge is going to have the choice is this one judge say in one case mm-hmm. going to decide whether or not a president can go to prison that's what's going to be
3: yeah i, I just don't see it uh, I, and, yeah, I'm, and yeah, I'm not yeah, i'm not comfortable s- i know i mean. am not Me too. saying Me too. that too. he's innocent he's guilty i'm not saying any of I that i'm I just th- saying that the institution of president I agree with historically the feeling has never been allowed to go to but jail. But historically, it has
0: never we've never had an, somebody trying to th- overthrow our country. You know what I thought, and we talked about this not long ago, was the overthrow of of our government. I, I thought it was a bunch of drunks, you know, uh, charging the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And now we find out, of course, it was a, a planned event. the debt, that, that that. I mean, so. I never would have thought that I. But now that we know what we know, we gotta be able to say you're not protected. Imagine who's gonna run if we don't send him to prison if he's found guilty. Imagine who's gonna run next
4: mm-hmm.
0: or down the road because he's gonna say, you know, I'm never gonna go to prison. They don't. If I'm a president, they don't send me to prison. So I'm not gonna do any time. What's the encouragement there right. to be a scumbucket?
3: Yeah, I just, I just look at the Nixon case, and if Nixon didn't go to jail.
0: Well, again, Nixon wasn't charged. Nixon was not charged. Nixon right, because was they, not char- they took down, care of it before he, was, he could get charged. But he was not charged. So you can't compare it to Nixon because he was not charged. We have an indicted president. We've never had it before. We have a president that's indicted on criminal mm-hmm. charges. Mm-hmm. That's not Nixon. That's different. Mm-hmm so that's my point so I agree listen I agree with the feeling oh my god we can't send a president yeah yeah we can the world's changed mm-hmm. the, my phone booth has disappeared and the world has changed just a thought yeah you have to go
3: I don't see it happening yeah I got oh, go. oh I, I don't I don't see it happening at all okay I, th- I, I see an immediate appeal the, it gets vacated You find some appeals court that throws it out, and I I don't ever see him going to jail. That's not the
0: case I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you're found guilty. You go through appeal. You're still found guilty. Bottom line, you did it. Now, are you going or are you not going? Anybody else that did this would have been growing a beard in in prison. Right. That's the problem right there. Mm -hmm. That moment, that moment, it's going to be fascinating. Because right. I can't, you know. I mean, I'm not looking for it either necessarily. But I, I, I think that if we don't, we show ourselves to be a bunch of liars yeah, as see, American citizens.
3: See, I'm not swayed so much by like the, the 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 um the state charges that are up against them. One of the things that I find very interesting is the Mar-a-Lago documents. How does that go? Because Initially, we're we're showing a picture of like five or six documents on a bed, and, and we're like, ah, you know, that's nothing. Why are we even worried about this? And then you find, then they finally show the real pictures what? of boxes upon boxes everywhere. Well,
0: that's the correlation to the mm-hmm. char January sixth thing, where mm-hmm. I thought it was a bunch of dummies mm-hmm. you know, with MAGA hats. Now you find out that it was all planned. The congressman was given a tour to one of, to a few of the people through to show where mm-hmm. everybody is right. I mean, all of that. When you <laughs> the more you unpeel this mm-hmm. onion, the more you realize another layer. That all of that is what's m- m- far different from Nixon. Mm-hmm. Nixon said, Jiggers up. I better get out and save my ass." Fine. Mm-hmm. Now, this is way different, and it'll be stunning and you're you're living through history. I don't th- I may not be alive when it happens, right. but remember I said this when it happens, you're living through history. astounding history and just to see him go. And I I don't want it to be state, I want it to be federal. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting. Mhm. Because think about it, the next president or oh, down the road sure. minutes, He's going to if he wants to try or she, wants to try. And in their head, they're going, well, they didn't send Trump to prison.
4: I got to get out out of jail
0: free card, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we have to protect ourselves and not tell the world, well, justice for all. Mm -hmm. Baloney. And this is going to prove this. It's not who you are. It's who you know.
3: Right? Yeah current president knows that huh <laughs> i
0: don't know <laughs> oh, man <laughs> i don't know did you did you see the thing about um about his new granddaughter yeah what'd you think about that
3: i i find it weird that that you would disavow any association with this daughter with this granddaughter well won't even admit <clears throat> she's your granddaughter
0: well, first of all, th- they were in it's only recently that they finally got a DNA test. Mm-hmm. So number one,,
4: mm-hmm.
0: he doesn't know if it is his granddaughter. He doesn't mm-hmm. know if it's Hunter's kid. Mm-hmm. You know, technically, they don't know. So because of his fr- position right. President of the United yeah, States yeah, yeah, he you know, he c- can't include her in the family until he knows it is his mm-hmm. family. He was high as a kite when it went on <laughs> seven years ago. The kid. Hunter, right? Hunter. Hunter, Hunter, yes. Hunter, Hunter. Was high as a kite, right? Mm-hmm. And the exotic dancer mother mm-hmm. was probably using too, right? Okay. Maybe, maybe. We don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe not. But okay, it happens, right? And until they were able to establish that's his kid, they're not going to say, okay, this is my granddaughter. Because mm-hmm. he'd be, now he'd look like a fool the other way. And I don't think he, it had anything to do with the child. I think it had to do with them dealing with Hunter's problems. Right? Mm-hmm. And so he had to wait. And then, when he was sure that it was his kid, because of the politics, he had waited a little bit and then put it out. I mean, they're going after him on this mm-hmm. station. They showed this morning, they showed the, the stock and tongue <laughs> by the chimney with care. Right. They right. hoped that another one soon would be there. Yeah. You know, it's I terrible. mean, Come on. I mean, give me a break.
3: Right. Hunter is a piece of work. Yeah,
0: yeah, but you know, I mean, and and he's probably, I don't know if he's going to end up doing time or not. Who the hell knows? But I mean, people have to get a chance to bring it back to, mm-hmm. to get better, don't they? I mean, is that's it. Okay, you did that, that you're done forever.
3: I mean. No, I, I mean, everybody has the, a redemption story, you know? Mm-hmm. One or two. Yeah. Absolutely, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. But you know, you got to come clean on everything, though. Yeah. In your redemption story.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with all of that. Now, right. Right. right? Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised at what happened with the the plea deal. Was, right. Uh, that must have been like hello. I'm like
3: I'm, I'm like I'm sitting in Rotary and my phone's blowing up and all of all I'm seeing is from every outlet plea deal falls apart. I'm like, what is going on? And yeah. it's like last minute. It's like
0: okay. But the we'll prosecutors see. look like morons. Right. Yeah. Right. Really look like dummies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so uh, you can't blame you can't blame uh, Hunter's people because they thought they had this deal mm-hmm. and then they change it. And when you think about the judge, the judge is saying that constitutionally she can't do it. She did not have the power right to change it to to accept it.
3: Mm. Yeah. I mean, constitutional law is a. Uh, interesting thing oh, yeah. you know Biden thinks that he can cancel debt and he doesn't have the authority to do so Co- Supreme Court says that so well n- yeah now but you, now you find another way I agree you just find another way
0: I know but, and right and how many how many things did Trump think he could do sure absolutely <laughs>
3: absolutely absolutely yeah, no yeah. you can't do that
0: what well, I can't well I'm yeah, the yeah. president <laughs> Right. Yeah, well, say it as putting you in the paddy wagon. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I'm the president. Right. Oh, my God. Boy, thank you for coming. You're welcome. I appreciate you stopping by. You're welcome. Fixing my phones.
3: Yes, so that 10 o'clock comes around, you actually can continue.
0: I have, I have a show I can do. Right.
3: But we can also work in the in the back, too. So
0: That's exactly right. That well, helps. thank you very much.
3: You're welcome, yeah. Dave.
0: I'm, I'm only letting you go because you said you had yeah, to
3: go. Yeah, I had to go like... I've
0: all right. 20, okay. 10 minutes ago,
3: but it's fine. Thanks again. See you, Dave.
0: All right, there goes Jim Jones, uh, uh, mentor. I didn't even stand at attention when he came in this time, because usually I do. But I'm, I'm not this time. I'm trying to... I don't know. I'm just doing what I can. You know what I mean? 508 222 508 You and me on the radio. Till noontime today, if you'd like to hop on the line and sneak in before we have our First a phone guest um, uh, Mary Nardillo Dias is going to be on with us, and she's a she's the grief wh- whisperer. We're going to be talking about grief and the, the facets of of grief in your life, and uh, we're going to be talking about that. And um, I invite you to call and. Offer a question or make a comment. I'm sure it's something you're going to be able to going to be able to relate to, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, and then 11 o'clock. Uh, this is really interesting. There's a book uh, called "The New Roaring Twenties: Prosper in a Volatile Time." Now, uh, this is written by Stephen Jarcho, and and um, also um, uh, Paul Zane Pilzer. And they're talking about AI. They're talking about this whole thing going on now with uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and how you know it's going to affect your life, uh, especially now with um, <clears throat> the uh, strikes going on with AFTRA, SAG, and uh, WGA, Writers Guild of America, and and all of that stuff happening having to do with um, this AI influence in our communities in our lives now and um, everybody's so concerned and worried about it and and I want to see um, what they can tell us because one of the things and I was going to mention this during the interview one of the things they talked about is that um, um An energy revolution fueled by AI, uh, geothermal and other technological advances, uh, is reducing the danger of an extinction event caused by climate change, so that AI can be tied into climate change as well. And uh, I want to talk about that and listen. Hear what they've got to say there. So we've got lots of stuff going on. Do you agree with Jim Jones? Do you agree that if in the case that, um, that the president, former president, is found guilty of the um, even a couple of the criminal charges we talked about, do you think after appeals, et cetera, that this country will send a former president to jail, to prison, in the slammer. It, it's odd. We've been brought up to have such um, mm. such respect, right? Such respect, and we hold the presidency, the office of president, in a... Uh, in such an appreciative and respectful manner, that we, so much so that we we would allow, presuming he's found guilty now, that we would allow this man to do all that he has done to cause all of this damage, to break all of these laws, and not insist that he do the time. It's very interesting that we, Somewhere in so many people, like Jim, so many people's heads, it's like I can't imagine that we would send a president to prison. But here's your problem. The problem is that you cannot talk about how everything is everything is equal in this country. I mean, we know it's not. But in the judicial system that everything is equal, I know we know it's not. We. We talk a good game, but we know that somebody who is um, of a certain status, people know, people, and, well, not in this case, but in many cases, respect, people who um, have had a vast exposure to the public, held positions of, of, um, of respect, the position has the respect. And we're sitting here saying, I can't bring myself to send this guy to the slam. Jim says it's not going to happen. Well, presuming all that that I've been talking about, presuming everything that I've said here, believe, um, I am really interested in this conversation because I think we have no choice but to see to it that this guy walks into a jail, regardless of his previous positions, his previous status. I mean, they've done it in other countries. Would this be something you absolutely couldn't stand? Or is it be something you? You couldn't. I mean, can you hear yourself saying, "Oh no, we can't do that"? Yeah, yeah, okay, he's guilty, but but oh, we can't. We can't do that. We can't put the former president. Here. Do you think that? Do you have the problem with that that, that Jim has? Hmm? Because this is going to be a huge debate. If he's found guilty, and he appeals, and he goes through the appeal, I mean, this is not something that's gonna happen on Wednesday, but when, when and if that happens, and the bottom line is, guilty is charged. What, what then? Can you actually believe or feel yourself or, or think That we can't possibly send that man to prison. Now, there are people, of course, on the left who, yes, 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 we can. And the people on the right, why you're better. But I'm talking about the concept of a former president maybe ending his days in a prison. Now, we've sent a lot of elected officials. Uh, the mayor of, of Boston years ago. Ran the mayor's <laughs> office from prison, so we've done it with other forces. We've done it with other places. We've done it with other positions. Why not? Why not that? Good morning, good morning, good morning, second hour candy company. You and me on the radio until noon time today. Oh, right, baby. Yeah,
2: we've
0: got lots to talk about today, and uh, we're going to be talking with. Believe it or not, we're going to be talking with a spirit whisperer. That's right. Are you ready? Because it's going to be really something. Let me just make sure I'm doing this properly. Uh, Bum 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 bum. bum. I got to dial her up here. See if we get things happening. We're going to talk to Mary Nardillo Dias. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Mary. How are you? How I'm are fine. you? Fine. How are you? Good. Good. You hear me? Okay. Good. Okay. Good. 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 Yeah. Now, you um, me okay? uh, yeah, yeah. I, I say, just telling everybody that um, um, you are the grief whisperer. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. and I want to talk about this um, you've got a couple of a couple of editions of the book out called Grief Speak, right? Two volumes out now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. M- my first question Mary is is what is thanatology?
1: Thanatology um, is the study of death and dying, similar to Freud's thanatos. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's um, in order to become. You're probably asking who can become a thanatologist as well. Well, well, yeah, I want want
0: to know what 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 one does who has a degree in that or or a a certificate. What is it? What is it in in generally?
1: What is it? Okay, so I have to back up a little bit, give you a little historical perspective to put it in context. So the Association of Death Education and Counseling, which is a national organization, is the only association that recognizes and certifies people to be a thanatologist. So you can become certified, which is a CT, or you can be FT, which is a fellow in thanatology. So most thanatologists have had experiences with death and dying and primarily focus on research. Um, I'm one of the, the smaller minority. In fact, I think there's only one or two of us in Rhode Island that are expertise uh, who focus on on the actual day to day practice of using the knowledge of death and dying in application. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And uh, what 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 are the areas in thanatology that you're most interested in, or what? I mean, is um,
1: it is. Well, you know, it kind of waxes and wanes, but it's become very specialized for me just based on the demand. So I tend to really have an interest and a fascination with uh, traumatic death, um, suicides, um, anything. And, and I, I hesitate to say traumatic death because in the field of trauma, which I'm also very much involved in, Trauma is not what happens. Trauma is the event. Um, It's how our body and minds respond to the event that can be considered trauma.
0: Yeah, that's the trauma, right. Yeah, the shock of it. The Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: Exactly. So that's a little bit of a misnomer when they use the term traumatic death, but it's how people who react to a sudden death, and I should actually qualify that. It's not always a sudden death. Sometimes it's someone who's been ill for years. And you expect the death, but when it comes, you're traumatized. And it there's so many factors depending on your relationship with the person who passed, et cetera. So, you know, given the demand of my clients right now, and as I said, it, it kind of changes, and I can't explain why. Um, I do know that nationally, suicide rates the highest in April, but everything else, and I do know that men tend to have, massive heart attacks on Christmas Eve after 10 p.m. But other
0: than that... um, Wait, (laughs) (laughs) wait, 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 wait. They had massive heart attacks after 10 p.m. on New Year's Eve? Where did that come from?
1: Christmas Eve. Oh, Christmas Eve, yeah. Yeah, they they did a national study um, to look at, you know, massive cardiac Arrest like the Widowmaker, and they found that it was mostly in men, and there was a higher incidence on Christmas Eve after 10 p.m. They can attribute it to, in some cases, overeating, overdrinking, but probably some uh, predispositions to other issues. They might be obese, they might be diabetic, Mm. etc. But. Well, that so it's makes me nervous. Better, causal, yeah. It's just correlational, Dave.
0: Yeah, but that makes me nervous on Christmas. Is, <laughs> is Santa? Is Santa? He's in the category, I think. People, <laughs> we're gonna be. I don't want Santa. Did anything happen to Santa? Um, <laughs> the other, in talking about dealing with grief, now you're a counselor in grief, and and one of the things I was thinking about driving in this morning was uh, the word grief. Of course, everybody immediately goes to the loss of a loved one. But there yes. can be very severe grief if, by example, a man loses a job he's had for 25 years and all of a sudden they say, we don't need you anymore. That can bring on Absolutely. some tremendous grief,
1: right? Absolutely. And you'll find that there are two kinds of, well, two categories of grief. One is finite loss, which would be you know associated with a death, and non-finite loss. And that can range... Based on your example, in addition to um, maybe even drug and alcohol addiction where the person has lost themselves, um, people who have, I've had a client who moved and was experiencing severe, same exact phases of grief um, because of the change in geographic location and not knowing anyone or feeling very alone. Um, certainly certain surgeries like mastectomies and things like that, all of that falls into the realm of grief.
0: Now somebody like me who's a carrier of grief, I yes. I, I distribute it to people. <laughs> they listen to my show and they they get depressed. <laughs> <You> know, no, no. <laughs> but but you know, this is such a, an important let's talk about as part of grief, you know. First of all, I I, I don't know if you and I have spoken about this before. But I want to try to find a way to get rid of the word lost when we yes. talk about our loved ones. Uh, you know my my deal with my, my son and the 41 signs and, and, and everything. Yes. And we and, and the only reason, the only time, first of all, I never say died uh, or I always say passed. And the only time I say died or lost is when I'm doing my speech speech about it and I in the beginning I say it so people will know what I'm talking about because yeah you know exactly but, but other than that I wish we could find a word because like I say in my talk lost well wait a minute if you lost your car keys would you look for them
1: exactly so I I certainly agree with you I hate that word I try not to use it I usually use past um but you and I share probably a similar belief in that they have just simply passed, but we can find them in a different realm Mm. where a lot of people don't believe in that, so they just say, lost. Yeah, and and there's
0: not another word. I mean, I I have been trying to think of a way there because we've all been brought up to think certain things, and I think this goes into the grief problem, is that we've been brought up to believe that my son is lost and gone. uh, Like like I said, leaving a a restaurant and your car's not where you parked it, you know, and that's it, you know. I mean, we have been brought up and we have to start to do something about that to help grief people, don't you think?
1: You know, Dave, that is such a good example of the car keys because— what we're finding now is there's an, a lot of uh, neuroscience studies on the brain and changes in the brain when one is grieving. And, um, a lot of people find that very comforting that when, you know, they think they're going crazy and they find out there's actually a biological or a neurological reason for it. But there is, um, there's something called virtual mapping in our brain. So from the minute we're born, our brain begins to map where everyone is and in terms of environment. So think about it as like a newborn who who can't see their mom, so they start to cry. And then as they grow older, their cognitive development increases so they know that mom's in the house. They don't have to see her, like object permanence. And if they cry, mom will come and get them. So the brain does that. So a lot of people use the word lost when someone has passed because, in terms of their virtual mapping in their brain, they can't find that person anymore. The brain is trying to locate them because the virtual map it takes a long time to change. And so they're always trying to find a place or an environment where they can picture them and the brain can't find it. And that's what causes a lot of problems. And that's why people say lost.
0: Mm, yeah. and 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 so what... What do we what do we say to people uh, who are in grief? And not, maybe well, maybe let me ask you this way. Um, when Nikki passed, mm-hmm. somebody convinced us to go to um, Compassionate Friends. Okay. Have you had experience? I thought you were
1: going to say a medium. Oh, yeah, I no. thought you were going to say a medium.
0: No, the medium mediums came to us. Uh,
1: right. That's the,
0: right, that's right, that's right. Um, Cindy Gilman uh, called me the morning after because Nikki had visited her. And, uh, oh, I
1: didn't realize Nikki had visited her. Oh,
0: yeah, well, uh, uh, people who listen to this show have heard this story, but I'm going to tell you. Um, the morning after the fire... I did read the book. I might, yes, I, might I know you that did. That but this yeah. will remind you that uh, the morning after the fire... She uh, Cindy called me to say I heard what happened. Is there something I can do? And I called her because we hadn't publicized about Nick yet. And mm-hmm. um, I told her what happened with Nick, and she said, "Oh, I should have said something. Like she knew something," and I wasn't in a good mood that day, and uh, I'm sure. I hung up on her because I said, "Oh, yeah. great! Now I got some mediums going to tell me she knew something she had no idea," and. Mm-hmm. A couple of days later, I called back to apologize, and she said, no, you got to hear this story. The morning after the fire, she was sitting having a cup of tea in her kitchen, and she had the vision of what she said was a charred boy who said to me, who said to her, please call my father. Please call my father. Now, she'd been on the radio with me thousands of times. And... She went to her she didn't know what to do with this, and she went to her phone book and just personal phone book just flipped it open, and my name was the only name on the two pages. So she wow. said, "Well, I'll go on Dave's radio show and find out who this boy is." She had no idea that it was Nikki? What is Nikki? and wow. so and so you know, speaking about that, and that brought up my question was having to do with, with compassionate friends. Have you had any dealings with them?
1: Um, no, I haven't. Okay. They primarily run groups, is that correct? They
0: run they run groups of people who have, have lost, I believe it's mostly children, have lost children. Okay. And here's my problem. Uh, a friend of ours asked us p- to go to this, that we should go there, that we should go there. So we we gave in because leaving the door open, this is freshly after the fire. Yeah. And we went and we sat in that room. and There were people telling the story of the passing of their child and they meet every week, I guess. And you realize mm-hmm. that they were all telling the same story every week. And, mm-hmm. and then I heard one couple whose daughter had died in her sleep in their home and they were talking about her passing and then i heard the father and mother talk about how horrible it was because they he would never get to walk her down the aisle and they Mm -hmm. would never get to that and then i realized this was about their their grief for them not for the passing of their daughter
1: Yes, so I, I have a couple of responses to that. One is that um, people can be very competitive with their grief. Uh, I've run groups where there's been actual arguments over who is suffering more. Grief can be very... <laughs> you're kidding me. No, really? not at all. Okay. Yeah. Grief, can, grief is very selfish for the most part, and that's okay. Uh, pretty much anything's okay, uh, but I often say to clients, you understand your grieving both for your child, but you're grieving for yourself as well. And because, you know, that's really not something that's accepted in Western society. Selfishness is considered to be a negative, has a ne- negative connotation, and, and it doesn't right. always mean that. And thirdly, um, so think about you're driving down the street. This just happened to me yesterday. You're driving down the street, and someone cuts you off, and you knew you know if it, if it was five more feet, they would have just probably killed it.
4: Yeah, okay.
1: And and you're just you're in shock all day and everybody you see you tell them you can't believe what happened to me. You can't believe what happened to me. And then the the next day you start telling other people. You know what happened yesterday and pretty soon you're saying, "You know what happened to me 6 months ago?" It's that need and that's one of the ways you treat trauma um, because almost getting killed or getting, you know, side side-swiped is um It's so hard to believe that that almost happened or that it did happen that you have to repeat the story over and over again. And most of the time when people come in to see me for the first time, that's what they'll say. People are tired of listening to my story and I have to keep telling the story because as you Mm -hmm. tell the story over and over again, the content remains mostly the same, but the emotions associated with can not necessarily be ameliorated, but kind of dissolve a little bit and it's not so that's actually a, a technique to work with trauma tell the story over over and over again
0: yeah it, it, it's, it's funny because it? i yeah oh yeah sure i i say i've said to people not long ago my people will say if they're going to introduce me uh, to somebody they'll say to that person whatever you do don't mention this kid because <laughs> 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 you'll be there for an hour and a half <laughs> right, telling the story, um, and and so yeah, I can see that people need to need to do that. But the thing, the problem, and I said to Joanne when I realized this, I said to her, "Take a good look at this room because you're never going to see it again."
1: <laughs> so it was not helpful for you.
0: Well, no, because, and if forgive me for this, people, anybody listening, is going to be offended by this, the death of their child suddenly becomes their claim to fame. Yes. That's who they are, the passing of their Mm -hmm. son. For us, I talk about it all the time. I talk about it in terms of how my son is still with us and that other loved loved ones are still with them. And I'm trying to get that message out.
1: Okay, so... And yes, I'm a very strong believer in that death ends a life, but not a relationship. Right. But, people, but others find, some find that if they don't get signs um, or messages that kind of dissuade them from that belief and believe that they're just nowhere to be found, that they're, in fact, lost. I'm using air quotes. Um, so yes, it becomes a claim to fame, and a lot of that is reinforced by society a lot of my clients will say to me, you know, they run into somebody at the store and and they said the people's faces are like so pathetic. They look, oh, you poor thing. How are you? And it becomes like, you know, like you said, their claim to fame or this badge of honor, ironically. Yeah. Um, But to use that, so when we go back to, I might be going a little bit off, but I'm very organic in my thinking. Yeah. Um, If you look at, a death that could cause trauma and eventually PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, it's when people stay in what you're talking about, living with that and being at their badge. There is something called post-traumatic growth. And I think that's probably what you're into, that you don't have to be um, depressed or anxious or have some kind of trauma disorder associated with you for the rest of your life. Because the death of someone, regardless of the method, can in fact cause you to become find a new meaning in life, to be more compassionate, to be more empathetic. There's a lot of research on that. That grievers become much more compassionate. Yeah, that, and was, yeah, that,
0: that was the problem I had with the group because it was this dun 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 dun. You know, I mean, it was it was <laughs> so. Oh my God, it was so oppressive. And um, was there
1: a facilitator?
0: Yes, there was a facilitator, and this is the funny part. They had a rock, and they passed the rock around, and whoever was holding the rock is the one that was going to talk.
1: Okay, that's like the stick. Okay. Yeah,
0: so they're passing this rock around, and my wife was not going to touch that rock because people are... <laughs> They're crying and their nose is running and whatever. <laughs> and my wife's a germaphobe in a of sense, and, and, and she wasn't touching her rock. So, I, I, I mean, it just, and I don't mean, I, I mean, I, I know they're trying to do well for these people, trying to do good, excuse me, for these people, but it was just like, oh, my God. Uh, they met every week and did this. And yeah. there was no, and I, I only went once, so I don't know, but it, it oh. didn't seem that there was an opportunity for, for there to be any growth there, because well, one of the, you know. I one other thing, they, I've had, them turn me down, and not me, other people, uh, to talk about mediums and messages from their mm-hmm. loved ones, they've turned mm-hmm. it down. They, they don't allow it they don't allow it so go ahead
1: so is that so i'm not, I'm not saying anything necessarily against compassionate no no, friends, no 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 but groups groups in a, in general um you know there's a very specific technique or techniques to facilitate a group and it's the facilitator's responsibility to say Okay, we've we've you know to respond to the person who's talking and say, so let's give someone else a chance. What do you think about what they're saying? You know, and there should always be two facilitators because it's very hard for one person to watch the body language and listen to the tone, rate, and volume of every single person in the group. In terms of mediums, is Compassionate Friends like associated with a religious organization? I don't
0: believe so, but but it's about the it's about the. I just think that they're tied into the event that happened. And as I said, we go back to this is they can't dig themselves out of it. And they almost, it's only in my opinion, too turn down the opportunity to feel better, turn down the opportunity to say, wait a minute, maybe my daughter is, is, is trying to knock on the door and say, Mom, I'm right here. Yeah, And I'm blocking it because if I do that, I give up my identity, which has become the mother who lost a child.
1: Oh, that's so insightful, Dave, because how many times have I said to a client, tell me what benefit you have in holding on to this? Right. They, they don't realize consciously that they're holding on to that. And a lot of them will say to me, if I let go of this pain or I let go of any of what i'm feeling then i am dishonoring their memory which is obviously not correct
0: yeah and then you have then you have uh, we, we have someone who who lost their son passed and they turned his bedroom into a den oh okay i mean i mean the other side of that coin right yes is th- yeah. they it's, it's still grief it's still grief i'm yes. going to pretend he didn't live there i'm exactly. going to i don't know what but Turned the bedroom into a, into a den. And I, and when I heard that, I thought, oh, my God. What is, I mean, well, I don't have the answers to anything. I only have the answer to what we've done with Nick. I mean, I don't have the answers for anybody else. But this thing about grief and this despondency about the future is really something to be spoken
1: about, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And again, you know, the relationship with the person who's passed and it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that that I think it's uh, something on social media that says, Greece is love with nowhere to go. Um, <laughs> that's not, I, I don't like that at all. Yeah, because it does yeah. No, that's, that's yeah. not the case. Um, and there is a reason why people hold on to it. And it might be because of your badge of honor, um, or it might be their new identity, like you also mentioned. And so what do I do when I let go of this identity? Then who am I now? Who, who am, am I? I am yeah,
0: yeah, well, yeah, who am I? Uh, and and that's, you know, no, we're talking with Mary uh, Nardillo-Dias, who is the g- grief whisperer. I love that name. The grief whisperer. And we're talking about the ability or the inability maybe to handle your grief. And it, it's really something uh, that, let me ask you how grief ties into, um, what I talk about all the time, which is a um, this mediumship, this spiritual, we believe that this is, for us, this is Nikki telling us that there's nothing to fear when we pass, that life is yeah. is safe, that he is safe, and we will all be safe. Now, the people mm-hmm. who turn down this opportunity, the people, this is a form of grief to me, People who refuse to believe that their child may be well and that when it's their turn, they will be safe and well. Isn't that part of a grief process too?
1: Yes. Um, I'm just thinking while you're talking about Mary Frances O'Connor just came out with a book called The Grieving Brain, and she, she distinguishes between grief and grieving, And she said, grief are those moments in time where you're just, you know, numb, and it's surreal, or it hits you, or, but grieving is a trajectory. It's a process, and it follows us throughout our lives. And like you said, everybody handles it differently. So in terms, let me answer your first question, in terms of mediumship, I mean, it is a way of it's not a way of grieving, I don't think, Dave. I think it's a way of honoring Nicky and um, and he stays in your life. You're very fortunate and blessed to have that because a lot of people, as you don't see it, and maybe it's right in front of them, but they yeah, they yeah. Don't I think see. they
0: do. I think they, that's my point. Is I think about that is I think that they do stay in your life, and because you're so blocked, being as we talked about, you know, the grieving parent, or but so blocked thinking that woe is me, Uh, you're not hearing your child say, Mom, Dad, it's me. I'm right here. Mom, I'm right here.
1: Right. And then, and of course, you have that, what I said before, depending on what culture you were brought up in and religion, whether or not you even believe. You know, I have a lot of, it's bad if an atheist um, who has, you know, dust to dust and... They've just completely ignored that. But the interesting part is, you know, there's a famous existentialist, Irv Yalam. Now, you know existentialists believe this is all there is, is life. Yeah. And he has written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books about existentialism, and this is all there is, and his wife passed. And he said, I spent my whole life touting this um, field of existentialism, this theory, this belief... And my wife is gone, and I'm looking for her, and I'm trying to find signs. Yeah. So even someone who spent their whole life believing that that's not the case.
4: Yeah.
1: There's a a story. There's a story in one of my books about a woman who uh, whose husband dropped dead, and she kept looking for signs, and she couldn't find them, and she couldn't find them, and she finally decided to search for this tree that he loved because he was from Canada, and she was going to plant in her yard in memory of him and every nursery she drove up the coast. She couldn't find this tree, couldn't find this tree. Finally, she found a nursery and they had one of the trees. And she said, "Gentlemen, is that for sale? And he said, no, I'm sorry. It's taken. He said, but let me look. And he looked in the book and he said, oh, this is paid for, but it was never picked up. And this was tagged over a year ago. I'll sell it to you. And she went up to the tree and she looked at the tag and it said, hold for Tom and that was her husband. So I said, see, he had to slap you upside the head for you to get the sign. big yeah, yeah, and boo and Yeah, <laughs> and, and this
0: is about grief, too. I mean, it sounds like I'm moving it over into my bailiwick, but I mean, here's the grief part of this to me. I I do this talk based on my book. Or you said you read the book. You're the one that read the book, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, And one I... Signs. Read it. Yeah, 41 Signs of Hope. Terrific. Thank you. Uh, but I say to people, look, if you think I'm crazy and you think like like your friend there, uh, dust to dust, that's it, Um, mm-hmm. and I'm wrong and you die and you're dust and I'm dust, it won't matter. But if I'm right and you have the hope and the <laughs> right. the opportunity when you pass and turn around and say I'll be a son of a Cain was right. Cain <laughs> was right. But you won't have le- you won't have wasted the last 20 years of your life being despondent and in grief. It's you'll have brilliant. hope. Huh?
1: That is brilliant. That that is a brilliant concept. Like, you know, to what end? To what end are you going yeah. to do this? So, so role? if you,
0: so you may as well give yourself the chance to have hope, to have belief, to have anticipation, and then if you die and it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. But if you're right, I'm right. You end up having, an, you know, it's like going to an amusement park. Before you get on the ride, you're all excited, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, now you get on the right and go. Boy, this was really good. I and I got the anticipation of it as well. Mm-hmm. That that's what I think about when I think about think about your when I was talking about grief and wanting to have you on. It was one of the things that. By the way, I have a in my show, my Misgiving show. I have mm-hmm. a, a test for atheists. If somebody ah. if somebody is in Father Misgiving's audience and claims to be an atheist. I tell him, uh, father tells him he has a test. He said, here's the thing. If ever in your life uh, making love, have you ever yelled, oh my God? <laughs> if you did, if you did, you're not an atheist. And right. if, you, if you didn't, you're not very good in bed. And so that.
1: <laughs>
0: so that's my test for atheists. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah,
1: that's true where people are, you know, think just, they think they're going to die um maybe a sudden death there's two things they say oh my god or call oh, mom you know mom mom help me or god yep, help yep,
0: me yep, yep, yep.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah
0: and 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 they are and they're there and they're with you you know um uh, sometimes i'll i'll do i've done several uh speaking to nursing classes Death and dying Mm -hmm. classes for nurses. Yeah. nursing, And I tell them, you know, when you've got a patient that's on her way out and she's on some medication and she starts talking to her dead aunt Tilly, that's not Mm -hmm. the medication. That's aunt Tilly there to help her along.
1: Yes. They should read my books because there's so many examples of it. There's no way that it can ever just be a coincidence. And the name of your book is,
0: go ahead, I'm sorry, what?
1: You know, grief speaks stories of loss right. and they're all my clients stories. I've been allowed to tell their stories, um, obviously changing any identifying factors. Sure. Yep. But I'm also a death doula. so if I'm, um, if I have a good relationship, a, a longer-term yeah. relationship okay. with the person who's dying,: yeah, let me, let, let,
0: me, let, me let me interrupt you there. You said okay. death doula. It sounded. Yeah. You said it sounded like you said I'm also at death's door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now, this is d- a death doula, which is like like uh, um, what a midwife for a midwife. for death, yep. right? Go ahead. Yes, exactly. Go
1: ahead. Yep. So we'll also we'll often have the conversation, even if you don't believe in life after death or you're going anywhere, just in case. Let's come up with a really obscure sign, not a penny, not a feather, something really obscure, and let me know if there's life after death. And obviously, I, it might take a long time, but I always get signs, and all of my close friends and family know what my sign is going to be and let them know I'm on the other side.
0: It's, it's, that's great. You know, um, the Forever Family Foundation, are you familiar with them? I, yeah. The Forever Family Foundation uh, was started by the Ginsburg, uh, two Ginsburgs, Fran and Bob Ginsburg, in, in Long Island. And their daughter, um, Bailey, was killed in a car crash on Long Island. And, and through a series of non-coincidences, we met them at a, at a Robert Brown seminar, etc. And it was really interesting because According to Robert Brown, Bailey, their daughter, and our son Nick had hooked up with each other, and what? there's a tremendous funny story about um see when Bailey passed her best friend came to them and said, "Bailey and I had a pact with each other from the time we were twelve that if anything happened to either of us, we would send the other person a sign, and
1: oh, wow, and I thought I was original." <laughs>
0: And Bailey's sign was a blue magic marker. Now, wow. when, when this little girl got, I mean, Bailey passed when she was 15. When this little girl came back to her house after the funeral, on her keyboard of her computer was a blue magic marker. hmm So she told this to Bob and Fran, and Bob and Bob said, that's it. Now, Bob was a great skeptic. And Bob said, that's it. I'm going to find this once and for all what this is. And he he started the Forever Family Foundation, got involved with the uni- uh, University of Arizona, and did all kinds of tests, including medium tests like John Edward and, and other people. Yeah. So when we went to the seminar, Robert Brown said, so years later, uh, we were moving to our current home, and Joanne was packing Nikki's things. And you know Joanne, well, if you know Joanne, it's, uh, I'm going to take the item, walk open the plastic box I have, put the item in, put the top back on the box, then go get another item, come back, open the box, put, that's how Joanne does it. While she was doing this, I was thinking to myself, i got to call Bob Ginsburg because I had something to tell him. So she comes about the fourth or fifth time, she opens the box, and in the box, as she opens it, is a blue magic marker. And it came from, we didn't have one, and she didn't know... Okay, so I said, that's it, I'm calling Bob. So I call mm-hmm. Bob, so I call Bob. And I tell him this, he said, oh, it's great. He said, now I've got one for you. I said, what? <laughs> Every day, Bob had to go to work for, um, for, in Long Island, and he had to drive through the intersection where his daughter was killed.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yep,
0: and one day, he's at the light, and he's looking, and there's a there's a house on a corner, one of the corners. And he looks over, it's up on like a little hill, and it's a historical home, and the number of the home was 41. Oh, wow. So Bailey and Nick had hooked up before we met them. Yes, yes. And the reason that they started the Forever Family Foundation besides that, after they, they went to a compassionate friends meeting and at the Compassionate Friends meeting, they tried to talk about signs from the other side, you know, not wow. just mediums, and they got shut down. And so they would stand outside in the winter, they were telling us, and the people in that meeting who w- wanted it would go, and they had a meeting in the parking lot after the Compassionate Friends meeting, and that's how <laughs> the, and that's how the Forever Family Foundation started.
1: Wow. Isn't that, isn't so that I- something... Yeah, and and I hear this so often, and, and still, as many hundreds and hundreds of times I've heard about signs like this, I still get chills. Even though I'm not surprised, it just reinforces that amazement that I feel. And, you know, some religions believe that it's against God to believe in a medium. and And, and I'm not—my next statement is not professional, it's personal— that although I was brought up Catholic and I'm still a practicing Catholic, I believe that God actually gave some, you know, there are charlatans, but I believe God gave some people the ability to speak to those who have passed or to funnel them, so that we can communicate with them.
0: Well, to hear, to hear, uh, we can speak to them. I mean, every time you say a hail mary, you're talking to somebody who's dead. I mean, I that's mean, right. and he, <laughs> the thing is, you 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 are able to hear from them because you haven't blocked yourself off, and and so you know that's exactly right. I believe that, and, and I mean, the, the, the scripture is full of prophets you know yes. i mean you know i mean that's that's interesting people uh, hearing stuff voices in burning bushes and angels are coming to you and tell you you're pregnant etc i mean all of this stuff is in scripture and f- yes, for us true. to give credit to some dummy you know a devil or whatever is doesn't make sense there's too much good everything that has happened to us and come from our knowledge of Nick and Nick Science has been of a positive nature. Yes. All of it. All of it. And so how can it not be from, you know.
1: I know. I know. And people say, you know, I I feel like this is, I'm just wishing this, or I'm just, you know, half-heartedly believing it. And, you know, I'll say, well, go with it. Yeah. What's going to hurt if you do believe in this?
0: Yeah.
1: You've got to be open. Go ahead. No, well, I was going to say a little bit off topic, but I have found that doing this kind of work, you are so uh, so aware of how fleeting life is and how it can change on a dime in a minute. So that every day I my mantra is, Mary, if you were to die today, is this what you would want to be doing on the last day that you are here? On terra firma. Yep. And if the answer is no, then I change it because I, I work with too many people who have too many regrets. So they shoulda, coulda, woulda yep. and yep. and I don't ever want to have that experience.
0: <laughs> That's funny because it reminds me of years ago when I was doing a lot of talk radio. And people would call up, and they do crank phone calls, and hang oh, up yeah. on you, and yell something at you, or you know, give you the Bronx cheer, or, or whatever it is, <laughs> and whatever it is. And I, I used to, periodically, I'd say, you know, let's think about this for a minute. Here's a guy who's sitting in his house someplace, and he makes a <laughs> phone call, and he's doing that. What if he were to drop dead at that moment? Now oh, he, now like- he goes to the pearly gates. And God says to him, "What were you doing at the last moment of your life? And were you feeding the hungry? No. Were were you clothing the naked? No. Were you raising funds? Were you you, you giving blood? No. What were you doing? I was going to Dave (laughs) King." Uh, I we mean, think so much of like Dave. Oh <laughs> uh, no, it's really funny. That's a great moment to make, right? It, <laughs> yeah. It, it's really unbelievable that people don't realize and it is that's the one one of the things that I really I thought I knew it before, but I really learned it with Nikki's passing is how one brief moment changes yeah. your entire existence. My wife and I were talking about this last night. We were sitting and having a very good conversation about our being able to get through what we have gone through. Mm -hmm. And how so many, well, you can tell me, how so many couples are destroyed by the loss of a child. Tell me about that, because that's really important.
1: Well there's a lot of blame um projection on the other person it, it was your fault you did something or and i shouldn't say or because very little is mutually exclusive so let's say and that they grieve very differently and they don't understand each other's behavior and their methods of grief and they start to move apart and this and and in some cases if it was uh an only child or an adopted child or a foster child, they the couple didn't realize that that was the child that was keeping them together. And once the child is gone, I, I have a client right now, you look at the situation and say, oh, my goodness, I didn't even know that I really wasn't happy in this marriage because we adopted this child and everything was wonderful and then he got killed in a car accident and now, you know, I'm not distracted anymore. And when the distractions are gone, you have to sit with yourself and understand what's going on.
0: Yeah, and 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 going back to this again, couples who where the usually it's the wife, I think, who has a belief in the hereafter and the possibility yes. of hearing from their child, and the husband usually mm-hmm. it does not buy into that at all, and that causes yes. terrible problems.
1: Absolutely. Right. And if you look at the empirical data on gender differences in grieving, you'll find that men, in general, tend to go back to work, work more hours, distract themselves with more hobbies, or and women tend to sit with it and are much more likely to go to counseling.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it, it's fascinating how. Um, the dichotomy between men and women on that issue.
1: Yes, yeah, and I think it's societal norms as well. How, how, where, know, how does expectations?
0: Let's talk about some of the stages. How does anger come into this? Because you know, um, I think I had an outlet for my anger because I was involved in so much of the legalese of trying to get the fire marshal, into the slammer. And I think I I, I was able to vent that way uh, with my anger.
1: Uh, Okay. So allow me to correct you first. So we're not using stages anymore because the implication is there's a beginning and an end. So we're using the term term phases.
4: Phases, okay. Because phases
1: kind of have a, a softer, you know, you can phase in and out back and forth. Okay, good. Yeah. It has a different implication. So a, anger is very, very common. Anger is an acceptable emotion <laughs> in any situation, not just grief, um, because it's, it, it's something recognized, it's something we understand. The anger that I find with my clients, and now understand the majority of my clients are female. The anger is, how could he dare leave me with five kids. How could he leave me without a will? How could he not have taken care of himself? I told him to go to the doctors and he didn't. So it's, it's a way to... It's like your psyche. Not that you're not angry, but the anger begins to dissipate over a period of time. And then the other emotions come through. For example, I had a, a woman a few years back, young... I had a lot of young widows um, who kept telling her husband to go to the doctor. He was you know, not feeling well. He wouldn't listen to her. He dropped dead. <coughs> when she came to counseling, he was, you know, very upset and crying. And I, I have my two boys. What am I going to do with the situation? Uh, my husband's going, but as time went on, she started to tell me about her marriage and how he was the boss. She couldn't question him. In fact, even when she wanted to call 911, he said no. So she didn't because he told her not to. So it was kind of a, an inequitable relationship. And I could hear loud and clear that she was part of her was relieved. But she could not vocalize or verbalize that.
0: No, quite, yeah, yeah, months, yeah. Because right. that would make her the six, bad guy, right?
1: Right. About yeah. six months later, she looked at me and she had these big eyes. And the tears started pouring down her face, and she said, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. There's a little bit of me that's relieved. My life is so much easier now that he's gone. And I just nodded, and she said, you knew this all along, didn't you? And I said, yes. And she said, well, why didn't you tell me at the beginning? Why did you wait six months? But the important thing is for her to be able to recognize and accept without any judgment that it was okay for her to be relieved as well because emotions are not mutually exclusive either.
0: Now, we're we're getting down to uh, time here, but I want to ask Mm -hmm. you this. Talk to me about something I just read, that grief uh, has a contribution to the possibility of, of onset of dementia. PTSD so from I, I the did, grief.
1: I did not read that. Are you saying there is a study that shows a correlation? between A correlation grief and between
0: grief, uh, PS, um, PTSD, mm-hmm. and the early onset of dementia.
1: Okay, so I know that there are studies, again, it's not causal, it's correlational, Right. um, that that grief can, you know, there there is such a thing as broken heart syndrome, and people can die from broken heart syndrome, but I've seen other studies where there's a correlation between grief and uh, early death, uh, grief and more medical or problems like high blood pressure, cholesterol. I haven't quite seen Alzheimer's, but I wouldn't be surprised, because in grief, you lose your ability to concentrate. You lose your memory. Um, you don't know where you are. You don't know what you're doing. can't remember what happened yesterday. So I could understand how that would happen. But if you look at the studies that were done with PET scans, so you look at the, I wish I could show you right now, um, if you look at the, the non-grieving brain <clears throat> compared to the grieving brain, The grieving brain, the part of our brain that has our emotions, primarily fear, you know, C.S. Lewis said, I never knew, excuse me, grief felt so much like fear. And it does. Most people will come in and say, I'm scared to death. So that part of our brain, where the fear and the other emotions are, is overactive in grief. Ironically, it's a perfect storm, that part of our brain that controls emotions is underactive. So here you go, you know, you're scared to death, these emotions are overwhelming you, but the part of your brain that's supposed to say, oh, it's okay, you know, it's not that bad, I can regulate these emotions is underacting. Now, yes, the neurocircuitry changes and can certainly be reversed, but for a period of time, depending on for each person, um, it takes a while for that to happen. It's amazing to look at a grieving brain on a PET scan.
0: It's amazing to listen to you too. Um, and the phrase, the phrase "good grief" is an oxymoron. I think. <laughs> well, to, I don't know. Maybe In it is good. Oh, okay. Maybe, so you think yeah. grief accomplishes something to help us along too? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yep. Yeah. It's like going through what we need to go through to get to where we need to be.
1: Exactly.
0: Cool. Tell everybody how somebody can get hold of Mary Nardillo Dias, please. How do we do it?
1: Oh, okay. You can go in um, psychology today therapist directory uh, and just find my name. You can go on my website, which is www.gracepointbrief.com.
0: Grace with a G? That. With a G. Yes,
1: Grace Yes, yeah. Gracepointbrief dot com. There's a Facebook page for Grace Point, um, and if you want to purchase any of the books, it's uh, they're on both on Amazon, and I will be at the Intention Fest in Wakefield in September.
0: Oh, great! All right. Well, you listen. Let's uh, let's uh, have you back on, and we can plug that down the road. You know, I want to. Sure Help out any way I can, okay? Uh, Grief Speak is a—you right, uh, you can start looking up Grief Speak on Amazon. Be the fastest way, I think, to to get <laughs> yeah. to you, and then you can follow up from there. Uh, Mary done and a great job. Maybe
1: someday we'll meet in person.
0: Yeah, you know that would be something. <laughs> we, you know, you probably hate <laughs> my guts to be me in person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad we had a chance to talk. I have had a little to do with my the people here at the. Attleboro Health Department, I called them for in May, National Mental Health Month, and I called them, try to get some couple of local people on to talk about mental health. And my response was, We don't work on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that charming? Oh my
1: goodness. That's another thing to grieve about the yeah, world. I
0: know. It's it's really amazing how people just don't get it. But listen, I'm glad you got a, a chance to Give me this hour. I appreciate it very much. And uh, oh, we will, we'll will do something new uh, soon again, I promise. And uh, right, we'll, we'll see what we can do to help as many people as we can who, who have grief, by the way, for a lot of reasons, not just the loss or the uh, passing of a loved one. Uh, we talked about jobs. There are a lot of other reasons that people find themselves in grief, right?
1: Yes. And the one, one thing I would advise is anyone who's grieving, speak your grief. Don't hold it. Speak your grief to anybody who will listen.
0: Right. Talk, talk it out and make sure um, you're getting some help. Thank yeah. you so much, Mary. We'll talk Thanks, uh, soon, Dave. okay? All right. All right. Bye-bye now. Sure, I do well. And there goes Mary Nardillo who is the um, grief whisperer. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed that. Um, there are so many ways to deal with grief. There are so many ways to be um, helped too with this grief. And like she said, speak it out. Grief, speak, speak about your grief. Share with somebody. Have the courage to talk about it. And, 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 and you'll get something from it, I'm sure. I'm sure. You're not alone in this, you know? I mean, first of all, other people have had their grief problems, incidences with grief, and they are able to find help make something happen for themselves. And you can cure yourself, if you will, of the grief, in the sense that you can learn how to live with it. Learn how to live with it, learn how to to turn it into something that can help you. And if you share it, you can help others. I want to uh, thank uh, Mary Nardillo-Dias for coming on. She's the Grief Whisperer. Grief Speak is the name of the book. And um, check it out on Amazon and that'll give you a great way to get to her and find out more. Okay? All right. Time for us to uh, take a break. We'll be back on the other side and with another guest. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I want to say good morning, good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, healthcare employees, and good old number 41. All right. I have a guest coming up now. Talk about, you know, current. Talking about stuff that we're all dealing with now. And um, I can't wait to talk to Stephen Jarchow is his name. See if he's around. Good morning.
2: Hello.
0: Good Hi, morning. Stephen.
2: Yes.
0: Hi, this is, D- this is Dave Kane. Are you ready? We're on the radio. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, first of all, thanks for coming on and doing this. This is terrific. This is a great book called The New Roaring Twenties. Now, uh, when I first heard that name, Stephen, I thought, oh, great. It's going to be a retrospective about Chaplin and people like that. And then uh, I saw Prosper in Volatile Times. And it's all about AI. What can be more current than that? Huh?
5: Yes. Uh, it's certainly being discussed all over the place. Yeah, isn't
0: it? I guess so. Now, so I wanted to know. Uh, one of the things I wanted to know was, you, uh, you wrote this with uh, Paul Pilzer, uh, who's an economist, and you're an attorney uh, and a producer and a distributor. How? When I first heard about this book, I thought, well, it's going to be these IT guys that are going to tell us all about it. But you're not any of that. Um, but you're dealing with AI with the AFTRA and SAG and stuff, right?
5: Well, certainly. And uh, I run a couple of uh, companies that have streaming and other services, and we use artificial intelligence extensively in our business. So uh, that gives me a bit of a background in it. Uh, You know, Paul is uh, an economist, and he originally wrote this book, or worked on this book because his children were asking him what's going to happen over the next 10 years. And uh, he unfortunately became ill, and he and his wife called me uh, and asked me if I would finish the book. I've, Paul and I have been friends uh, since the early 1980s, so you know I was happy to pitch in and help and, and get the book finished. And I had a bit... Of a stronger background than him in artificial intelligence. But uh, Paul's one of the most brilliant uh, fellows I've ever met. And uh, uh, the book was intended to be a layman's guide to the economic and social issues over the next 10 years. And, you know, we have a chapter devoted to technology and a chapter. Devoted to robots, which are in effect artificial intelligence. So uh, it was a it was a happy collaboration. We got the book done, and uh, uh, it was timely.
2: Yeah,
0: I guess so. Huh? I mean, really, something. Now, so explain something to me. What the hell is AI?
5: Well, artificial intelligence is a simulation of human intelligence uh, using machines using computers and with the ability to create text code images and generative ai is utilizes what's called large language models and actually creates content on its own based on gathering literally trillions of bits of data and fitting it all together in a way that you know, the human uh, consciousness is not capable of, uh, so you know it's effectively a a simulation, but not an actual human brain working at a speed and at a context and at a data level that uh, no human could uh, approach.
0: Now let me let me ask you. As I just heard you say that. We, the global we, whoever, have created uh, AI to do something we can't do ourselves. But we were able to devise the ability to build something that could do it. That th- sounds odd to me.
5: Well, it is odd. And further, uh, the technologists and engineers who have developed uh, the various forms of artificial intelligence, including Chat, GPT, and there are probably a hundred or more other prominent companies that are working on artificial intelligence. Um, they don't really know how it works. Uh, if you ask them, uh, you, know, you mean they understand what they did, but how it uh, interfaces with the data and how it uh, acts on its own to create its own images and its own text, they don't have an idea as to you know exactly what is going on, which is you know a little concerning.
0: <laughs> a little, <laughs> God. Well,
5: you know, it, it, artificial intelligence is is here, and it's, we already have it in our uh, in various forms in our cell phones, our automobiles, household appliances. Uh, you know, social media is a crude form of artificial intelligence, and we all know the corrosive effect that social media has had on our national dialogue and on the addiction of our young people. So, um, you know, there is uh, some dangers there, but social uh, artificial intelligence is, like most things, dual purpose. There's a duality to it. It's going to dramatically improve the quality of our lives and our wealth, but it's also going to eliminate a lot of jobs or restructure a lot of jobs. And much like the atomic bomb, uh, there's a more than zero chance that it could be an existential event that ends humanity at some point, because... Um, Machines, on some level, don't care about humans, and as a byproduct of the processes they use and the uh, actions they take, um, you know, humans could become a nuisance to artificial intelligence. There's also the more practical dilemma right now, which is, you know, how... Uh, intensively should we use artificial intelligence with our military? Um, you know, there's an argument, and a number of companies have come forward, meeting with the president and forming organizations, which are designed to provide guardrails and caution with respect to artificial intelligence, and that's the right thing to do. However, you know, how should we use it in our military, since clearly... Russia and China and other countries are going to have no uh, hesitation to use uh, AI extensively in their military and create ultimately autonomous weapons systems that do not rely on human intervention. The official position of the uh, Defense Department is that Every application we use will have a human controller or intervention. But as other countries develop autonomous AI for military uses, I mean, we have to be competitive. And um, we need to uh, be able to deal with their capabilities and expand our own capabilities. One of the reasons that we have a free country, and a country that people have great opportunity, is that we have a very strong military. So there's going to be a really interesting discussion and debate regarding, you know, how AI should be used uh, with respect to military applications. Mm. And, you know, probably, ultimately, what it's going to mean is that we need to establish some sort of detente and relationship with China that is workable for both countries, because, um, you know, China and the U S currently have about 20% of the population of the world, but they comprise 50% of the gross domestic product of the world. They're the two most meaningful countries with India, by the way, creeping up. Russia is sort of a wild card. Uh, they're not going to dramatically impact the U.S. economically. But who knows what they're up to? Uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Russia, and there's a mendacity to the current leadership. I mean, Putin has said that whoever understands and controls AI uh, controls the world. And uh, clearly... We know what they're going to do, which is going to be pretty awful. But I have cautious optimism that we can formulate an intelligent dialogue and relationship with China, despite the fact that our relationship with them is not in a good place right now. And I think it's critical. I think it's one of the most important things that our country can do, particularly with AI playing into the relationship.
0: Well, and now when you were talking, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back. But when you were talking about AI running on wars, are we talking about that, for instance, AI could decide what do they call the bag that the president has with them all the time, the nuclear codes and everything, that an AI could decide itself to hit the button?
5: Um, that is the concern, certainly. Yeah. And uh, you know, the question is, to what extent are we going to permit that to happen in our country? And I suspect that that will certainly be the case in other countries, which poses, you know, a real risk that we could all be extinguished.
0: We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more with Stephen Jar- uh, Jarcho, um who's uh, written a great book uh, along with Paul, uh, Paul Pilser, um, The New Roaring Twenties, Prosper in Volatile Times fascinating already. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back. Hang on, okay? righty. All right, with me now is uh, Stephen Jarchow. I've uh, written his book called uh, The New Roaring Twenties. Now, you were talking about the nuclear problems and everything with AI. Stephen, uh, will we be able to, with AI now, do you think we'll be able to cure this thing where You call a company and you find yourself screaming, I want an agent. I want it. Is that going to fix anything at all? I don't think so. Okay.
4: Um,
5: You know, I think, um, you know, if anything, AI is going to increase that problem.
0: Um, Yeah.
5: And, you know, there's a whole... uh, challenge here because as ai begins to be intrusive in our lives we have less contact with other humans and you know we're seeing that already i mean you go to a restaurant and people are out on dates or and they're both you know looking at their phones.
0: oh yeah yeah absolutely which
5: is, yep. yep which is in effect artificial intelligence and you really want to say to them look uh talk to one another, look at one another. If nothing else, sit in silence and enjoy each other's company. So one of the things that we can do as humans is really uh, increase our human contact, reach out to other people. Now, you can use AI to do that. Uh, You can text, you can call, uh, you can email. But being with other humans is very important because otherwise we're going to be disconnected from one another. The other thing that we individually can do, because to a certain extent, a lot of things are out of our control. You know, you and I sitting here, but what we can do is educate ourselves and we don't need to be a technologist or a highly technical person but you can, you know, read, listen to podcasts, watch movies and try to understand as much as you can about artificial intelligence so when it comes time to vote or voice an opinion,
2: you at least
5: have a knowledge base with which to discuss. And part of it is discussing these issues with people that you don't necessarily agree with. I mean, there's a tendency right now, and this is in large part caused by social media, which is a form of AI. There's a tendency to only listen to things or watch things that spout views we agree with. Very important to interact with others who do not agree with us, particularly with respect to artificial intelligence, and get their point of view. Not with the idea of convincing them of anything, but really listening. I mean, listening is sort of a lost art now. And rather than thinking about the next thing you're going to say or do or the next text you're going to send or, you know, who's sending something on your phone, really focus on one another as individuals. There's there's just little things we can do to increase our human contact and our humanity because we are facing a risk that that's going to be cut out of our lives completely as artificial intelligence grows and becomes more of a part of our lives. And to respond to your, your question about uh, service calls and about customer uh, uh, response, um, you know, all of us want to talk to a human. It's so much easier even if the human uh, doesn't speak English very well or is unable to respond to our technical issue, at least we feel heard, and we feel <laughs> that we can work out a solution. Because yeah, you know, yeah. dealing with AI can be extremely frustrating.
0: Well, I know. Yeah, I mean that—that's what drives me crazy. Is um, I want to talk to someone. Yeah, I want to talk to someone who can respond. You know, even if I don't like the response, at least I know they've heard what I said, which which you don't feel when you're dealing with. Now, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, because one of the things that caught my eye in the um, promo material I got was this phrase, was this sentence too: "An energy revolution fueled by AI, geothermal, and other technical oh advances." is reducing the danger of our extinction after caused by climate change. Can AI help us with climate change?
5: Oh, it definitely will. Um, You know, it can gather data, create models, uh, provide analysis, uh, improve the quality of alternative energy systems. Um, It uh, can do simulations, uh, it also can uh, improve our overall health and longevity, and we're already seeing that. Um, and right now, uh, nanobots are operating uh, within humans and responding to the very complex human systems to uh, improve the opportunities to survive. And but I think the big area for both climate change and for uh, human uh, health and longevity is going to be the ability to analyze problems and diagnose a solution to those problems. Because, uh, for example, in the medical sphere, uh, AI is going to be able to draw upon literally hundreds of thousands of cases and diagnosis in order to permit doctors to have a more focused perspective on how to treat something. Right now, you know, if you have cancer, you typically have, you know, two or three doctors involved. They may or may not communicate very effectively with each other. Typically, they don't. And your case can be misdiagnosed and mistreated uh, simply because doctors are overwhelmed. They don't have all the information. And What AI is going to do is going to provide them with exposure to all kinds of other solutions and refine the diagnosis. And we're going to find with respect to climate change that something similar will happen. There are all kinds of very complex trade-offs with respect to climate change as to what we can and can't do. But Particularly with respect to alternative energy, this will help us uh, analyze much more data, come up with better solutions, and it'll even help with respect to fossil fuels. And the are you
0: are you doing something? Because there's a lot of noise on your your end. No. Oh, okay. No, no. Maybe it's something here. Okay. I'm sorry. Keep going. I want to make sure we hear everything.
5: Sorry. Um, I don't think I'm doing anything. I think I'm oh, just... Okay, yeah, good. Just All right, fine.
0: All right, I'm getting a lot of this stuff. Go ahead, keep going. I want to make sure we hear this.
5: Do Do I sound clearer now?
0: Yeah, now you're fine. Yeah, Yeah. you kind of stopped for a minute. Okay, go ahead.
5: Okay, good. Um, so, you know, what's going to happen with respect to fossil fuels? We're going to be able to uh, make drilling decisions and make uh, exploitation decisions, but... You know, I'm of the view that uh, the price of oil will come down as we develop these alternative uh, energy systems, and this will be enhanced by artificial intelligence. I mean, there was a period during the pandemic when oil was actually negative $40, which meant that... um companies were willing to pay $40 for someone per, per unit in order for someone to come in and take the oil. And um, this uh, is going to happen again, and it's going to be enhanced by AI, which is going to allow uh, suppliers of artificial – of oil and gas and artificial intelligence – to make much better decisions across the board. So there's some very positive aspects to artificial intelligence, but we're also mindful of the dangers.
0: We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we got more with Stephen. You have a few more minutes for me, Stephen? Of course. Yeah, um, Stephen Jarchow, uh, he will be uh, talking more about his new book. Stay, stay tuned for this because uh, I'm finding it fascinating and, and I don't want you to miss out, okay? All righty. Uh, Edinburgh... <laughs> We're talking about a brand new book called The New Roaring Twenties uh, Prosper in Volatile Times. Um, Paul Zane Pilzer, economist, and Stephen P. Jarchow. Uh, attorney and producer, uh, who I'm talking to this morning uh, about the book. Now, Stephen, a couple of things I want to ask you. First of all, you're you're an Academy Award winner. True. Okay. <laughs>
5: Can uh, I get we, a little more
0: on that, Stephen?
5: <laughs> well, my uh, business partner Paul Collisham, another Paul, and I have produced a little over 150 movies and television series. We've had two films win Academy Awards. Uh, We've been nominated for five Emmys. Uh, We won one this last year for a series we did called Girls' Voices Now, which is about the challenges facing young women of color in uh, Los Angeles. And uh, we own uh, several streaming services. Uh, Our most valuable streaming service is one aimed at the gay audience, and uh, it's been, you know, incredibly successful for us. We've owned it for 20 years, and uh, um, you know, in our business, we naturally use artificial intelligence. Um, and uh, right now, AI is a big topic with respect to the uh, Writers Guild and Screen Actors Guild strike. Uh, It's probably not the most important issue, but it's significant. It's one of the top three or four. Probably the most significant issue is um, how do you calculate residuals on streaming revenue, particularly because um, streaming companies have been notoriously uh, careful about disclosing the, um, the viewership they have and the revenue numbers that are generated. You know, historically, uh, residuals have related to uh, revenue coming from sources other than theatrical and other principal sources. So it's related primarily to television and uh, DVD and sources like that. Now, with streaming, quite often streaming is the primary revenue source and uh, residuals have not been calculated on that. So there needs to be a, a settlement with respect to how that's going to be calculated that protects the uh, studios and Netflix's uh, algorithms and their proprietary data, but also allows actors and writers to be fairly compensated and you know, at some point, you know, something will be worked out, but it's a very acrimonious situation right now. And, um, you know, a lot of, uh, um, you know, accusations uh, are being uh, thrust back and forth. And uh, uh, while I think it will be resolved, it's going to take some time, it appears
0: yeah, it's really interesting. Now, one of the things, I had a conversation last night talking about your book and AI, and, and somebody talked about how um, down the road it would be possible, or that talking about it would be possible to, um, say, have Jaws as a movie and and put Meryl Streep <laughs> in a part that was played by somebody else or something. Can you see this going that far?
5: Well, there are going to be a variety of legal issues associated with that. Uh, one thing that the whole issue of whether you can use a particular actor's image or alter that image, um, you know, it depends in part on the contracts that are entered into. Uh, I don't think you can just arbitrarily put Meryl Streep or another actress or actor into right. a part. Um because uh, you, don't have, you don't have those rights that, you know, there's a right of publicity and a right of privacy that exists. But the, the question that is uh, being dealt with right now is to what extent can you alter an image? Uh, to what extent can you use <clears throat> an image of an actor that you contracted with in other formats? or uh, other ways. And again, it depends in, in part on how the contracts are written. And, uh, but it's going to result, I think, in a lot of litigation and a lot of very interesting issues associated with this. Now, typically, the way contracts are written, I mean, a, a, a studio has the ability to alter an image and to use that and to edit that image as it sees fit for the, uh, the show or the movie.
0: Sure, for the and purpose of the presentation, yeah.
5: It's yeah. You know, something that they're entitled to do. But, um, you know, this is going to get very interesting with respect to, you know, what, what if uh, they decide, a studio decides to use images in another show? or in a sequel, to what extent they can. And again, the contracts need to be written in that regard. One thing the Screen Actors Guild and Writers Guild need to do is come up with a very specific idea of what they think they want in this regard and what they think the revenue uh, implications of it should be. Now, they've maintained that they have come up with specific uh, recommendations. I don't think they're, frankly, specific enough to reach a settlement. And both parts, both the studios and the actors and writers need to be, um, frankly, more focused on the technical side of this rather than the rhetoric.
0: Yeah, that's what I was um, We were talking about. But now, years ago, uh, there was um, the cloning fear you know, about cloning, you know, they they, they cloned a the sheep and the whole world was coming to an end and everything. Do you do you see but but now you don't hear so much about it. Uh, they haven't done a human being yet that I know of. Do you think the AI we can get our hands around that and and protect ourselves uh, from any great uh, you know cause all right?
5: I don't know, is the answer. And I don't think anyone knows at this point. You know, human civilization is based on stories. Uh, You know, the concept of money, which is largely a digital commodity now, is a story we tell each other with respect to money. Religion and democracy are stories. And these are human stories. And, you know, perhaps the biggest risk is that a non-organic alien intelligence will manipulate our language and shape our stories. And, you know, I'm fearful that our humanness will be lost because we will be getting our stories from artificial intelligence. Um, You know, movies succeed because they are shared stories about our humanity. Uh, To the extent we are getting this from machines, um, I'm fearful of the consequences. I mean, we may have uh, sacred texts and uh, positions on government and uh, geopolitical relations that are based on what a machine says rather than what we say. And that is probably the immediate threat. I am hopeful that on the military side, that, you know, the the concept of mutually assured destruction, which has limited uh, atomic applications uh, for military and also has limited the uh, governmental hacks of infrastructure because, you know, for example, Russia is not attacking our air traffic controllers because it knows that we could probably come back No, probably about it. We could come back and attack them in precisely the same way and probably much more effectively. And as a result, there is currently the concept of mutually assured destruction, which keeps bad actors, uh, for the most part, from attacking our basic infrastructure. And I'm hopeful that something like that will evolve particularly with, again, with respect to our relationship with China. I'm hopeful there'll be a recognition that both countries, U.S. and China, benefit from a working relationship, healthy competition, and the fact that they can blow each other up using artificial intelligence or anything else. And we really don't want to do that.
0: Yeah, I guess not, huh? Jeez. Yeah, I guess not. I guess <laughs> It's really it, it's astounding how all of a sudden this like pops up for people who haven't been on top of it <clears throat> that, that this thing is happening. It's almost like you, you're describing as if Rod Serling were writing everything that's going to happen in the world.
5: you are so, you are so right. Uh, you know artificial intelligence has been around in one form or another or another since World War II. Uh, Alan Turing, during World War War II, developed the Enigma machine, which was designed to
0: open German
5: codes. And this was an early application of artificial intelligence. And it's been talked about and researched and the subject of science fiction for many years. But it's really, as you correctly point out, in the last four or five years, and even in the last few months, this has become part of our na- national narrative.
0: And and what happened to what happened to him? He did he go to prison for being gay after that? Yeah, that's astounding. Yeah, and, that's astounding. And,
5: and then you have Oppenheimer, which is the subject of an excellent movie, um, who ended up losing his security clearance because he was urging limitations on the use of atomic power and warning about the dangers of it. And this was contrary to what um, a lot of the military and governmental figures of that era believed. And uh, he ended up being disgraced um, after he had, you know, created the atomic bomb.
0: He should have used it on him.
5: Well, life yeah. is very strange. It's, it, it, and, it's uh,
0: just so mind-boggling. Someone, uh, this genius, and, and, and they are able to ignore all of that and do something like that. Is
5: Well, both, both Alan Turing and uh, Oppenheimer were extraordinary individuals, not only from the standpoint of their ability to see things and to understand things that most of us cannot, but also because they both were very high-quality individuals who were fearful of the misuse of a lot of what they had developed. And um, this made them quite unique, because they not only had a very technical engineering view of what they did, but they also had a very enlightened worldview and wanted to create a dialogue around the dangers of their work. it takes a real interesting and uh, insightful person to have that sort of awareness.
0: Mm. <clears throat> so do you have hope for all of this after um, finishing this book for Paul and, and um, do you have, I, 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 is it a positive feeling you have yeah. or not?
5: Well, the book is basically positive uh, and I'm cautiously optimistic um, but again, and I've said this a couple of times in our in our conversation today, I think uh, establishing a working relationship with China is critical. Uh, you know, Russia we can't control. I mean, they're it, it's basically a nation of criminals. Uh, you know, run by a criminal organization that doesn't really care about its people. You know, China may have uh, you know a controlled economy, but they do care about what happens to their people and what happens to their country. And, you know, they, I think we can have a dialogue with and get there if we're willing to do it. That doesn't mean we give in on everything and go soft, but because we're not going to. But if we can establish a solid working relationship with China and reach agreement on some of these critical artificial intelligence issues, I'm optimistic. I think we can get through all
0: this. Even, um, well, we've got a situation now where we have to be concerned, however, about Taiwan um, in that, right?
5: We do. um, And, you know, I have mixed feelings about Taiwan. I, you know, I've spent enough time in China that I kind of understand their position. They feel this should be part of China. But I'm also sympathetic to... Taiwan. I have not spent as much time in Taiwan as I have in China, but uh, and also Taiwan has you know, been sort of a rallying cry for those who wish to be tough with China. And I understand that and appreciate that. Um, there's no easy solution to that situation,
0: mm-hmm. uh, but, but it's part of the part of the uh, conversation that's going to have to be happening. Uh, with all of that, because everything touches each other, right?
5: Totally. You are absolutely right.
0: Mm. It's really cool um, to see and to hear what you're talking about. It's it's so much more of uh, an intricate concern rather than just the the, the panic that we've heard or, or, or seen from people about this, because people need to address it, not just panic over it, right?
5: Absolutely. And, um, you know, there are good arguments on all sides. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, I encourage people to engage with others who don't agree with you. You know, I I live in Dallas, Texas, and uh, Dallas has uh, a very conservative component and quite a liberal and progressive component. And I have friends who, you know, are on both sides of these issues and frankly I try to engage with all of them because I want to listen and learn from what they have to say I may not agree with it so but it's very important to appreciate people who disagree with you
0: oh yeah well I made a I'm in talk radio I made a career out of it
5: (laughs) you sure have (laughs) and you've done a great job with it
0: well, I, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. I do want to mention, though, um, is, is Paul Zane Bilzer uh, feeling better? Is he doing better, or what's going on?
5: He's hanging in there. Um, you know, he, it's a tough disease that he has. Um, um, I've uh, uh, been able to get him on a few calls, and uh, he's been really quite terrific. He has his good days and bad days.
0: And the other question I have, which has been my this has been a, a, a banging question at me since I first heard about your book, where does the name Chow come from?
5: It's actually pronounced Jarco.
0: Oh you could you should have corrected me well, Gar- uh, Jarco we have all right
5: things to talk about you're, you're only uh, er, like every other person it gets mispronounced all the time. It, it looks like Jar Chow, and it's pronounced Jarco and it's German and Polish.
0: Okay, okay, because I was uh, tr- wondering what it, it, how it it's was. Kind
5: of, it, it's kind of worked for me my whole
2: life, so I guess I'll stick with
0: it. Yeah, I didn't think it was an air name, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know.
0: So, um, well, listen, uh, you've done a terrific job uh, doing this today. Um, I'm, have you been doing a lot of these interviews?
5: Yeah, I'm gonna end up. I think I'm booked currently on about 30 of them, and um, you know there'll be more. And uh, you know the the hope is to you know have people recognize they can buy the book if they choose to, either on you know Amazon or other online or at their local bookstore. You know it just has come out, but mm-hmm. you know just as importantly to have this kind of dialogue with someone like yourself to sort of get some of the issues out there and get people thinking.
0: Well, it's important. I know we need to do that. Um, and and I'm, I've, I've enjoyed this. I've been educated, which is something that happens all the time because I'm pretty stupid to begin with. Um, and I, so let's say it again. It's the new Roaring Twenties, Prosper in Volatile Times, available on Amazon, quite the quickest way to, to find it. Uh, Stephen Jarco and uh, uh, Paul Zane Pilzer, uh, terrific! And uh, boy, I want to thank you for doing this.
5: My pleasure. I enjoyed it.
0: And we'll 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 talk soon one day uh, after you have your second or third book. I'm sure.
5: Well, thank you. You okay. take care.
0: <laughs> Thanks a lot. Bye bye. All right, that was again uh, very simple. That was the new Roaring Twenties. Pretty cool. I think. So the name of the book was uh, <laughs> The New Roaring Twenties, Prosper in the Volatile Times. If you like that, check it out. The other book, of course, that we were talking about was uh, Grief Speak uh, by uh, Mary little dias Okay, so Grief Speak on Amazon. Or The um, New Roaring Twenties on Amazon. Here I am calling this guy Jar Chow, and he didn't correct me. should have corrected me. So you have the right. It's J-A-R-C-H-O-W. He pronounces it uh, Jar Chow. C-H is a hard C-H. <laughs> so, and, and all of it. I mean, the, the AI thing is really, and he makes a good point that, you know, people have to adapt to how the world is going, how the world is changing, how the world is running, right? They do. And um, we see that um, both sides and the writers and actors strike and the producers need to kind of decide they're going to do the right thing to adapt to what has come up, to be able to figure out how to, to maintain uh, fairness among the performers, of course, and the writers, but also, uh, you know, figure out a way to be able to keep going, to keep profiting, and to make things, to be able to make great movies and presentations Right, and because it's a new, it really is. A, a, it's a whole new facet of of presentation. It's a whole new facet of technology. One that even, according to Stephen, uh, could affect uh, uh, and improve the problems we have with uh, global warming. Amazing. I mean, this thing is really going to be something that already has and is affecting our lives, but deciding that AI is something that we can deal with, that we can figure out uh, both economically, as he talked about, and technologically, he said, we're having AI do everything, including uh, fighting our wars. Deciding what happens to whom and when. It's really, really something. So I hope you, uh, you enjoyed those conversations. I did. I did. And um, we're going to do this all again uh, next Saturday. Can you imagine it? Yeah. I want to thank um, um, Jim Jones came in and straightened out our phone problem that I didn't know we had until he came into the studio. And said, you know, watch this. And he ran over here and started futzing around with stuff. And because of that, because he did it properly, Peter J. Wiggins was able to kick the show off. And I was able to have my two phone interviews, and <clears throat> thanks to Jim Jones. Hmm. You and me on the radio until noontime today. I was doing my impersonation of Mitch McConnell just okay. now. I was i just went silent. I just you know, just kinda phased out there for a minute. Okay. There you go. And believe it or not, I don't know how this happens. I don't I mean it seems like I just sat down in this chair 9 o'clock and the next thing I know somebody is stepping in. My thanks to Mary Nardillo Dias and Stephen uh, Jarkow Jim Jones and of course mostly to you. I mean I'm doing the best I can here. You know what I mean? Believe it or not Four Deep Sports is next. Whether you like it or not these kids are going to come in I'm going to Where's my wallet? I'm going to watch my wallet. Well, let me remind you last time that in the end, boys and girls, the love that you take from this world is equal to the love you make in the world. Thanks very much for being with me. See you again next Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. Be the good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Stay tuned for Four Deep Sports. In the meantime, ta-ta.